Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And my guest today is none... Uh, uh, my guest today is none other than Brandon Mays, a.k.a. B. Maisie. Uh, if uh, if you remember back in the day when uh, Red Bull first jumped into the amateur scene in America, uh, they started a program called Red Bull Jams. Uh and Brandon Mays was a part of that crew. Uh, there were guys like uh, Justin Barsha was on there. Cooper Webb was on there. Uh, so Brandon was a really, really highly touted amateur prospect. He lived at MTF. Uh, and then he, he had a string of really gnarly injuries. And then one of them was a broken neck. Uh, he retired from racing uh, and then focused on a career in music as a rapper uh, and has just released an album called Vaccine that was number eight on the hip hop charts uh, on iTunes. So he's had a really, really cool career. He's a really cool dude. And I really enjoyed having him on the podcast. Uh, before we get into the podcast today, though, just got to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. First of all, the guys at MX Store. I will be doing my weekly MX store. Oh, like, honestly, I go there every single week for something. And uh, like Sammy says, there's always something with me and my bike. And it's true. But I think I just like tinkering. Uh, so MX store is my go-to, obviously, mxstore.com.au. I personally do the click and collect because I'm right around the corner in Burley. What's on the uh, shopping list for me? Well, some new Alpine Stars gear and boots, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, And I'm also going to switch up my bar bend on my 350. Uh, I'm going to go to a Renthal 996, I think. So, um that is what's on my shopping list. You can head to mxstore.com.au and update a shopping list of your own for your bike. Uh, in my opinion, easiest way to get it done. We're also brought to you by the guys at Boost Mobile. You can head to boost.com.au. Uh, these guys have hands down the best prepaid packages available in Australia on the Telstra full 4G network uh, and it's so easy to switch over from Boost even if you're with another service provider. It takes about 10 minutes uh, so you can keep your own number. You can be on the best internet coverage uh, in Australia when it comes uh, to data and you can be doing it for the best price in the country. So once again boost.com.au. 
We're also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co. You can head to rivalincdesignco.com, pump in the code Gypsy Tales, and that is going to get you 15% off your entire order. Uh, that's whether you are ordering graphics, whether you're ordering jersey prints, uh, or you're ordering merch. Speaking of jersey prints, uh, that is where I will be taking my jerseys to get printed uh, once I get this new gear from Alpine Stars. We've been doing the vloggers and stuff, you know. It's kind of, I like looking fresh on the bike. I'm one of those guys. Um, so, yeah, Rival Ink Design Co dot com is going to get you dialed in are also brought to you guys by the guys at fist you can head to fisthandware.com.au uh, as well as dixonquality.com.au the code gypsy tales is going to get you 20 percent off in both of those stores which is quite a handy discount if you get what i'm saying fist hand handy handy discount um you can purchase the uh, the Gypsy Tales gloves 2.0, our Excite gloves from there. Uh, and we are slowly eking our way into Flano weather. Um, I just got a new bike too for the road. So I've been running the Flano on that. No, it's not really going to protect me uh, that well. But I think it looks pretty cool to be running Dixon Flanos when I ride. And it's cool because I can do it even when it's too hot to wear uh, a Flano just out and about. We are also brought to you by the guys at Crick's Tweed. If you are in the market for any new or used car, you can head to crickstweed.com.au. Ask for Kyle. He is a proud member of the Gypsy Gang, and he will definitely get you sorted. Uh, thoroughly have enjoyed working with the Crick's Tweed team. Uh, and my Triton is... Uh, look, I just don't really know what I could ask for more from that thing uh it's been a great ute people ask me about it all the time uh and i do absolutely love that thing every time i get in to drive last but not least certainly not least we are brought to you by the guys at crush oz you can head to crushoz.com to check out their epic range of cleaning products uh products like their platinum chain lube their rotor revive uh their drive Tran degreaser, their afterwash bike spray, uh, the foaming rapid wash, which is what I use a lot. Um, and all of that, except for I think the chain loop comes in uh, their bike care bucket, which is just $79.95. I've had the first, so I've had two now. And the first one that I had, I mean, I don't even know. We, we probably have to go back a couple of years uh, to figure out when they first started sponsoring the podcast. Uh, admittedly, Pete, I went and washed my bike at Pete's where he's got uh, his own setup running there. But uh, my crush bucket has lasted forever. Uh, the brush I've got uh, came with that has just come in handy so, so many times. So uh, this bucket makes it extremely easy. I'd pack everything in there uh, after I've washed my bike. It's in the same place every time. It just, it's completely idiot proof and I am a complete idiot. Uh, so it is the perfect product for me. Uh, personally, I can't recommend that enough. So once again, crushoz.com uh, for all of your bike care needs, whether that's BMX, mountain bike or motocross. All right, that's it from me. Subscribe on the YouTubes. We are posting the full podcast on our second YouTube channel now, so just search Gypsy Tales Podcast. Please subscribe if you don't have a YouTube account. Uh, just create one, and if you've got a Gypsy, uh, a Gypsy, if you've got a Gmail account, um, you can just log directly into YouTube with your Gmail account. Uh, GypsyTales.com for that merch, and hit me up on Instagram. Leave me a comment. Send me a DM, uh, and that's it.
Enjoy this episode with Brian Mays, aka B Maisie. Brandon Mays, bro, I gotta say, I'm proud of you. You've put in some legitimate effort <laughs> to make this podcast happen. The quality control has been spot on, and uh, I'm stoked to have you on the show, bro. Yeah, bro, thanks for uh, hitting me up to be on here. Uh, I like what you're doing, you're killing it, and uh, keep slaying it, bro. Yeah, man. So, uh, dude, we could go in a trillion different ways with this podcast. But, uh, man, I remember Verb Moto days, watching you shred Red Bull Jams, number 25 Honda. Uh, you had a bit of that, uh, bit of that. I don't know, I feel like you had like the modern style before uh, before it was the modern style. Yeah, bro, those were the good old days. Uh, you know, it was like Christmas when... 30 bikes from American Honda showed up in my doorstep and 10 Red Bull helmets, Fox gear. Those were the good days, bro, but moto ain't like that anymore, so I don't really miss it, to be honest with you, so, you know. Yeah, so you were like, you were one of the first Red Bull Jams kids, and so what year was it like? Let's paint the picture of like where the industry was at when you were an AM. Um, so when I got my deal with Red Bull, it was, uh, it was me, Cooper Webb, Barsha, um, and Landon Courier. Yep. But that was the Red Bull Jams days. That was the start of it. Yeah. So, and so like, what was your, like, whereabouts were you from? Like, when did you get into racing? Cause that was like a pretty crazy time in amateur moto, right? And like, what was it? before the whole Red Bull Jams thing first happened? Like, what was it like before that? <laughs> to be honest, bro, I uh, I started racing late. I started at, like, s- seven or eight, and uh, that was just in the grass in my backyard. And um, my dad was like, yo, you want to go to a race? And I said, hell yeah. We went to Minio's. I didn't qualify. I got, like, 76th place or something. Um, and then... Uh, we went home. Obviously, I felt like shit because I did shitty. And he said, if we go back next year and you win everything, I'll homeschool you and I'll buy you a snowboard. So I went back next year. I think I won four titles in the 65 class. And that's when I got my first uh, spy contract with Jason McCormick. And that's how it all started. And I didn't look back ever since. <laughs> no way, dude. So what was like, how did you get into moto to start with? Like, was your dad into it, or? No, believe it or not. I mean, yeah, he had a dirt bike, but he was more of like a go in the backyard, hit some trails. But, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, it clicked when I got on a dirt bike, and that's where it took me. <laughs> now I'm here. <laughs> yeah, so, but you were one of those guys that had, like, a really dope, like, natural style. Like, did you always kind of have, like, for people that listening you should go back and like watch some videos because Maisie had a pretty fucking dope style back in the day when they really this just didn't really seem like a lot of people were, were riding like that well dude I mean honestly I feel like um I got my style because you know I started when I started training I was training with Josh Lichtel, Davey Millsaps, Martin Davalos, uh Scott Simon um and the list goes on. Austin Stroop, Nico Izzy, 
So, you know, I was a little kid and I was like, damn, I gotta, I gotta step my game up. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I just watched, watched them and, uh, perfected my craft and then I just sent it. <laughs> so what, were you at like MTF or something like that for a bit or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, I started at MTF on a 65 actually. They actually didn't even let 65s in, but I went there just to ride for one day and I was like hitting all the triples that like 125s were hitting on my 60. Blue, like, I think I broke no a frame, shit. blew two wheels out, and Colleen seen that and she's, and uh, we were trying to become members, but she's like, yeah, we don't take 65s. And then after she seen me ride, she's like, come on in. And I stayed there for, I think, 10 years. No shit. So you lived on MTF that whole time? Dude, I, uh, bro, I, my, uh, my parents, uh, they trusted me a little too much. Uh, so they probably stayed with me for two years, maybe to probably turn 12, uh, probably turn 13 and they just took off. They said, have fun. I used to drive my dually F450 to the grocery store. I used to do my own laundry and it was what? just me and my motorhome and they'd come check on me every now and then. And, uh, actually it's funny, uh, um, Mike Grandel's wife, Lisa Grandel, she remembers cause she was parked next to us and she was always like, why she, she told me she would always think like, why is there a 12 year old by themselves or 13 year old by themselves doing their laundry? No parents. <laughs> and she's like, that was you. I was like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> no way. Dude. But dude, you just got to sacrifice. You got to do what you got to do. My parents had to work. So I said, I'm going to be a dirt biker. So I stayed no shit dude i had no idea man <laughs> dude i used to drive an f450 dually to the grocery store in Cairo, georgia that's well like there were people looking at me like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking insane dude so because yeah like this is it's like the thing that i'm trying to get my head around right is just like that whole MTF scene back then and what it kind of created, what it produced. Like, cause I feel like it probably, it couldn't be like that anymore. Right. Um, to be honest, uh, um, I don't, I don't really know what it's like anymore, bro. Uh, I, I really don't, I don't, I don't really, uh, keep up with moto anymore, but, uh, I mean, I think they're still doing their thing. I just, I just don't care to. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not you're not really in the scene as much these days. I just yeah, just like to make music. So what was it like as a kid doing the whole MTF thing? Like, and what was the age difference? So like, Davey was like the lead lead guy there. Like, how how did it work living at MTF as a kid? Honestly, bro, it was a savage lifestyle there. You know, we'd wake up at 8 a.m. and go do four 30-minute motos, work corners, and that was five days a week. And, bro, it was just repeat, repeat. And I'm talking, like, when you're doing motos with guys, bro, like Davey Millsaps, Martin, Stroop, all these guys, like, it's not just, like, a putt-around type of day. Like, you're sending it every day like you're racing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was a gnarly, it was a gnarly time, and... To be honest, I think uh, I think it made me, uh, you know, a go getter. You know, I wake, I still wake up at eight a.m. now, and I just go get it. Whatever I got to do, that's what I do. Yeah, it would so, have been a. It would it have been me, a pretty. It did me good. Yeah, it would have been a pretty intense 
lifestyle to lead as a kid because like most other 12 year olds are just waking up in the morning and then they're chucking cartoons on their mum's making them breakfast and they're getting ready for school <laughs> then they go to school and then they're hanging out with their friends then they got first period so like the a lifestyle at 12 years old to be like working and grinding every single day like that dude i mean i w- i started getting home i actually talked my teacher into um, telling my parents to homeschool me and I started getting homeschooled in fifth grade and my parents were cool enough to say you don't gotta do shit just go ride your dirt bike <laughs> so um, you know I I rep the homeschool life because school don't do shit for you anyhow I mean what do you really learn at school um, I, I mean I could tell you like you know all my friends that went to school went to college I'm better off than all of them I dropped out in fifth grade bro so School don't do shit, and Moto gives you street smart, so I think it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah. What What was the um, What was it like in terms of the dynamic? Because so like for any time you play like a football team or you do anything like that, and there's like a bunch of kids that are like figuring out the the social hierarchy, like Lord of the Flies type shit, and uh, you know what I mean. Like so, you've got this MTF deal there's obviously like a pecking order who's the fastest who's working the hardest and you kind of like slot in what was that kind of dynamic like growing up there because it it, you grow up quick right yeah yeah i mean you know i i used to i had to deal with barsha my whole time at mtf you know when we were doing motos we were just slamming each other you know you grow up pretty quick there and you know you're if you just you know try to be the best you could be bro you get fast quick real quick especially you know dealing with those guys and uh you know there was a whole pack of them like how uh, it was it was just it was gnarly bro put it that way yeah (laughs) every day like just wide open that's all we needed to know shift gears and hold it wide open was Basha always as because now you get like everyone Basha's the dirtiest rider Basha can't make a pass clean but like that's the narrative that you hear around JB what was he like that as a kid dude I mean uh I was like that as a kid he was too but I I don't see nothing wrong with it it's racing that's that's what the people want to watch but we got we got uh the AMA you know they're they're soft they're soft pussies and uh they find these riders if you hit people too hard. Like, bro, it's racing. Like, wh- like, where are you guys coming up with this? All this, all these bullshit rules. It's, it's, it's. You know, going back to Jason Lawrence, I used to turn the TV on if he was racing. Mm. You don't see me turn the TV on anymore. I mean, it's just it, it get it's it's getting boring. Like, we should be able to do what we want. We should be able to move people when we want them moved. Yeah. simple as that yeah well, i mean a racing good... is racing i don't i don't even know what dirty means if we're talking about racing yeah yeah no i feel you um you talk about that man like but the last weekend tomac just followed basha for pretty much the entire moto just didn't want to pass him because it's just like he doesn't want to get an altercation and it's like well that, you ain't gonna yeah. win like that you gotta you gotta move guys sometimes bro no matter who it is <laughs> Hey, um, and wait, being can, behind can, Barsha, being behind Barsha, bro, it's you better uh, you better plant your seed well, because 
he'll get you. <laughs> I've, I've gotten, I've gotten bit by him a couple times, bro. I got him back. It's all, it's, it's racing, bro. You got to go back at him. Um, yeah. So what, like then you, you go from MCF or like, did it change you as a kid? Like a lot to be in that environment at MTF and, um, and sort of like, cause it's such an abnormal childhood. I mean, yeah, it was abnormal, but I mean, it was, you know, it's called sacrifice and, you know, it wasn't fun living in an RV for 10 years, but I, I wanted to be the best dirt bike rider there was. So it's sacrifice. Yeah. And then, so you like what results was like, you killed it for a long time in the amateurs. And then when did that sort of come to like you had that gnarly injury right yeah so i mean i did pretty good over my career i think i got 18 championships but um i uh in 2008 i got it tatted on my lip i don't i don't remember the date i think it's yeah it's 13108 i uh i i hit a tree root fourth gear pinned um, swapped, crashed, broke my neck and back, punctured my heart, punctured my lungs, and uh, flatlined twice. <laughs> no so shit. that was kind of like that was kind of like the end. But I uh, I actually healed up. Um, I actually I didn't have feeling in my left side for two to three months. I healed up. Um, I think it was like seven months. Went to Minios and won five or six titles. <laughs> no way and, uh, yeah so what what we riding I wasn't, supposed, you... I wasn't supposed to go back but I you know when you're a dirt biker bro this is all we know so I was like I'm going back bro <laughs> but yeah well I mean for like me. for the average person that you know you have a crash like that you just you're not getting like, you know what you'd always have people right like I'm sure you would have felt this you've always got people where you tell them the injuries you've had racing and you tell them all the shit that's gone down and they're like man I can't believe that like why would you do that and then when you paint the picture of like hey man I've lived in a fucking motorhome for 12 years dude like this is and the reason I've lived in a motorhome for 12 years is so I could ride and race and be the best it's like it is what it is right dude that's 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 um it's a touchy topic because you know for how much we get hurt and how much we risk the reward should be way more but um but yeah when i when i tell people what i broke i mean bro i'll go through them i broke tibia fibia this ankle twice dislocated my hip broke this thumb this finger the pinky finger um broke this collarbone once this one twice dislocated this shoulder broke the ball off severed the nerves hasn't grown since i was 13 years old uh dislocated this shoulder over like 15 times my dad used to put it back in broke my neck my back um and probably two or three ribs and about eight concussions it's fucked up huh <laughs> yeah dude if it wasn't for weed i wouldn't be living <laughs> yeah yeah no i know what you mean but yeah like so you say to you say to people that that you know that's like the rap sheet and then they can't understand how you could get back on the bike but it's like when you've lived in a motorhome from 12 years old like it's like you don't come this far just to come this far well put it this way it's 
um, I look at it as a, as a blessing now, you know, when I had to retire, the, I, I, I didn't quit cause I wanted to. And mm. I, I haven't even told people this cause I don't care what they think, but they thought I quit to go make music or whatever. But I had to leave moto because my doctor wouldn't release me back to racing. So if I got hurt or anything or broke my neck again, I'd had to pay out of pocket. So it was just like one of those things where it's like, it's time to walk away. And that's what I did. And I'm actually blessed that I did because I'd still be chasing it, bro. Like, I it's it's not worth it to chase it nowadays. I mm. mean, look at what these guys are making, bro. It's embarrassing. Yeah. So what? Um, like, so you're you're pretty. What? How old are you now? Twenty-seven. Yeah. So you would have been pretty much like right at like the prime. Let's say you went through uninjured and you know sort of like i'm sure you would have got a couple injuries along the way unavoidable but you're stay in the game not get hurt yeah yeah but you know what i mean like if you're still in the game like you're probably pretty much in your in your prime and it's like the you know the money isn't there these days unless you're in like a really small select group right well that's the thing bro you say that but even that small select group like what is really making a lot of money? Do you really think these guys make a lot of money? Because they don't. Yeah. There's, well, I mean, you know, well, what, 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 like, what kind of money do you think these guys are making at this point? I mean, I don't, I, don't, I have no right to speak on that, but I mean, obviously, you know, Roxon like, might be making a little something, but that's still not enough, bro. I mean, if you go get a, a you know, 700000 to a million dollar house, and you got to pay your payments, you know, your your tax, your your tax, your property taxes, you know, all that stuff adds up, bro. And in all reality, even at his level, it's not enough money to risk your life for this shit. Mm-hmm. You know, breaking all these bones, you don't know when it's going to be your last day when you're racing dirt bikes. And uh, I just I just don't I just don't respect the sport anymore because they're just taking advantage of us. We're we're literally animals in a circus, bro. That's what we are. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely can see, um, yeah, there's definitely an element of that, especially like prize money. I mean, the whole industry is funded by sponsors. And then as soon as you get like, so dirt bikes are up everywhere, like 30, 40% through this whole COVID period. And I don't know that that has trickled down into riders on the start gate you know what i mean in terms of sponsorship money it's like they're still pulling race teams and they're still doing this and that but there is essentially more money like flowing through the industry gears like everyone's pretty much up through covid so i think like in terms of the prize money definitely not the riders though yeah exactly Put it that way and 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 i don't i don't i don't think the teams are either bro because i've been smoking a lot of a lot of joints with mike grando he's been a team owner for 10 plus years bro and i know way too much about this sport now to ever respect it ever again mm. and that's why i say i'm blessed that i got the injury that i did so i could walk away because if i didn't get hurt i'd still be chasing it like some of these dudes that are struggling to even feed themselves mm. let alone feed their family yeah i mean there's like the whole thing with bagot is like a pretty good yardstick 
at the moment of the industry because you get a guy that's like, I'm pretty sure Baggett got podiums last year, a couple podiums. Definitely, like, he's one of the top dudes in the sport. And it's like, in 2021, he's left high and dry. And he's got this property. He's got all this shit he's invested in. He's got a wife. He's got a kid. And then, like, the industry doesn't even know. Like, I've heard certain things, but... Bro, they don't care about you. But, yeah, no one really knows what the fuck's going on with one of the best dudes in the sport. And then you look at a guy like Justin Hill. Justin Hill is couple years removed from being a, a lights class champion he had okay results last year not you know what i mean it's not like he fucking killed it but then it's like again no word radio silence like no fucking deal no nothing that sort of stuff does and i mean i'm a fucking fan of the sport i love the sport i make a living you know through the sport in one way or another and it's like, I do love it. I do love the writers. But there's definitely some shit that makes you scratch your fucking head, right? Bro, don't get it twisted. Dirt bikes are... Bro, they made me. I love dirt bikes. But this sport is just... It's just shit now, bro. It's 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 just dying. And, you know, like, all the... They're losing all these teams. Like, that year, um, Barsha and Tomac won... And Kevin Windham did good too on the Geico team. You know how much Geico made? You would puke if if you knew. And uh, you know, like that that's what makes you think, like, imagine how much Ricky and James Stewart made their, you know, their sponsors and stuff, you know, mm. in, in uh in the sport. And they didn't even get paid enough, bro. They were the best of the best. Imagine what they really should have been paid if everyone knew how much these companies really did make. It's, mm. it's just crazy to think about, dude. It's, I don't know. The AMA is useless. <laughs> yeah, and the... the, the They're ruining the, the sport, bro. Yeah, I mean, fuck. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Um, bro, they, they're supposed to protect two wheels. They're supposed to protect two wheels. They sold it to four wheels. Like, what's up, bro? <laughs> yeah. And then we um, got Feld over here. They're practically a circus. Yeah, well, the 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 thing that's kind of gnarly as well is that a lot of these teams kind of aren't allowed to make their own money at the track and at the like teams can't sell their own merch. Like there would be, man, you could do like if you're allowed to sell merch as a race team in the stadium and you yeah like say you got your semi and then you've got like your merch tent that's next to it and the teams are allowed to sell their own merch. There's probably fifty k a weekend there. But that's money that Bro, Feld, like, like Feld takes that money in terms of uh, they do their own like Monster Energy Supercross T-shirt, and then they cut off all the legs of all the teams for for all that. They shit. take everything, bro. They take everything. Like I told you, I've been smoking a lot of joints with Mike Grondel. He didn't make nothing off his team. He's had it. He had one of the best teams. You don't make money owning teams, bro. You do no, not 100%. make money. Yeah. Well, and, you uh, look at it's you sad look at, because you should, like you said, bro, you could, but they mm-hmm. take it all. They're penny pinchers. They take it here. They take it there. They take it over there. They just, they're, they're too, they're too greedy. They could make this sport huge, bro, but they're just way too greedy with the penny pinching. Fifty dollars, seventy-five, one hundred. Like, bro, get a grip. Yeah, and and you look at the teams like the only teams that really make money. Well, there's only kind of fucking one team that, and 
Geico slash factory connection, like factory connection, you could pay for the suspension to get done by factory connection. And then Pro Circuit Kawasaki, you can buy all the Pro Circuit products. So it's like that's why that team has been around forever because it's just got this stable base. It's like racing on a Saturday, selling on a Monday. But there's no teams that are kind of like able to do that. You know what I mean? You're t- you said Geico Factory Connection, right? Yeah, so like Geico had fact, like they had Factory Connection, so you could spend yeah. your own money as a consumer at Factory Connection. Oh yeah, for sure. But, but like but I said, so not not other team. There's not a lot of other teams that do that though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even that, you, you just you don't make money in this sport, bro. It just it's it's sad to what it's come to because moto's dope bro i don't watch football basketball look at how much those guys make i don't watch none of that but like Mm. moto could be so big but the people running it are running it like a circus and they don't want to you know expand it and make it what it should be it's just no marketing behind it there's no marketing yeah yeah i mean i i definitely think that there is the fuck like a lot of room for improvement on on that side i, so I will say room. like i think that it's gotten better in the last couple of years and and the one thing that um did definitely like made but explain me, to me what's better well what's i think sl- slowly things have started to get better like uh for for instance red bull moto spy like red bull being able to invest their money have their own cameras and make their own series that that definitely grows the sport but that's coming from like a company that is a competitor to the title sponsor right so i mean i yeah. feel like that's kind of a, a, a small and we're talking baby steps here i ain't saying fucking people are changing the game and it's blown wide open yeah and, you know <laughs> what i mean i'm, I'm talking baby steps yeah of course baby steps because look at how many teams just bailed yeah dude and so the other thing i think was a really good sign is how hard um feld and dave prater worked to make the supercross happen last year through covid so that definitely gave me a little bit more fucking hope <laughs> you know what i mean because before that i yeah. was i was pretty out on the whole deal i was like man this is they just don't give a fuck but you know there has been a few things they, they, lately look. yeah keep going Oh yeah, there just there has been a few things lately where I'm like, you know what? Maybe we can fucking dig <laughs> dig this shit out of the out of the trench. Maybe there is some hope. But you know, to have JGR leave the sport, to have Geico leave the sport, like fucking Geico factory connection Honda dipped. Uh what? Well, um yeah, Geico, uh, they uh, they fucked the whole team. You know, they 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 told them they're they're out like sixty to ninety days right before, so they had no time to get another title sponsor. Yeah. So I uh, yeah, Geico fucked that all up. But, but, the th- but again, again, I guess it kind of speaks to the you know the fact that the teams need to be able to have a revenue stream. Like it can't just be because like, so for me, right. So I'll lay out and, and again, like I I don't want to sound like I've got all the answers for the people that are listening. I fucking don't like, I'm just, and I'm not privy to all the information, but so like, None for of me, us right? do. that's why moto, that's why moto is what it is. There's so many, there's so many people doing this, people doing that. Like, who really controls it you know it's just Mm. like so many different directions it's just like a clusterfuck and it confuses people and people should start really thinking about it 
Yeah, so like for for me, right? So I get sponsorship money from iTunes, uh, from like our iTunes downloads, and I'll do ad reads. So I'll sell ad reads. I get sponsorship money, right? If You're I have, market. what's that? You're in my market, iTunes. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, it's like that's I, what you said, right? You get yep. you get paid from iTunes, right? No. Yeah. So I don't get paid from iTunes. I get paid. It's I think it's different with the music thing, but with uh, really? so with the podcast, like I, it's free. I don't get paid for streams or anything like that. We, I'd be fucking killing it if I did. But uh, so we don't you get paid. Look into for, it because I think you do. Yeah, well, I'm, pre- after I'm we sp- pretty sure because Joe Rogan does. Yeah, after we spoke yesterday, I'll have a bit more of a look into it. But um, but yeah, so like I get I get sponsorship for my ad reads at the start of the podcast, and then so if all if that's all my money, right? And I'm let's say I'm making a hundred grand a month off these fucking ads, which I'm definitely not. And then I'm like, cool, I'm I'm living good. I can do this. I can do this. I can have a house. I can have whatever, right? And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. that fucking hundred grand gets ripped out from underneath me, and I'm only reliant on sponsorship monies money then you end up in the geico situation because how are they like what's their other way to make money they don't have any other revenue stream so for me that's why i go like super fucking hard on the youtube thing as well and then i do my merch and then i you know what i mean so i try and have these different revenue streams so that if something happens it's not going to completely fucking cripple my business and so like my kind of point with the race teams is that these race teams, they don't have like multiple streams of revenue. They've just got sponsors. And like, it's not like Geico was the only sponsor of the Factory Connection Honda team, but they they took up such a big piece of that pie that as soon as they were stripped, the other smaller sponsors don't have enough to like prop that up. So that's where my point is that we need, I think that going forward, we need to give teams the ability to make their own money and sell that like you're you're taking a semi-trailer to a fucking stadium that that cost you know you're probably spending 40 50 grand around just to like get you team personnel everyone there at least give them a chance to make that fucking back on the floor of the night i agree bro i mean to be honest i don't know i don't know too much about you know all this stuff so maybe you should try to get my ground on here he could give you some like crazy details that you would be just mind blown bro you got to remember you owned a team for 10 plus years yeah one of the yeah. best teams you should try to get him on here bro it'd be crazy yeah i'd love to get him on um, have you seen him in uh math less go back and forth on twitter no i haven't or math math less or math this or plop mx know, what's that whatever <laughs> Paul plop yeah <laughs> shit I mean, or something yeah something but yeah he, you should see these guys battle it's funny bro but he's scared to have uh grondel on but i'm telling you you should have grondel on or try to get him on because uh he's always doing stuff but he would he would give you some crazy some crazy crazy shit to think about bro yeah well, after you know smoking joints with them i'm just like what the fuck this is really the industry that i've tried to you know make a living in holy mm. shit well, I think too. That's why man, I say like, I'm blessed that I broke my neck, bro. As yeah. fucked as that sounds, I'm blessed that I had, I got this industry because I'd still be one of those puppets chasing it or circus animals. Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, and and don't get it twisted. Like I got respect for all the writers. Like I got hella friends in this. Dean Wilson, Cole Seeley, you know, it, the, the list goes on. And uh, like I respect all the writers. 
they're they're homies even Baggett, bro he's he, uh, he's doing the right thing he should get his money before he races again but you know I, I i'm not dissing any of the riders but the people running the sport are just fucking cooks and yeah. crooks yeah and like the you know you can't really be like a um like an independent artist as a moto rider you know what i mean you got to sign to a no. label and once you sign to a you're label controlled. yeah like you're just fucking doing it there's no lane to be i mean i guess you could be a fucking gangster privateer but it's just you know again you just you can't make revenue like there's no revenue stream outside bro. of sponsors and even if you are it's not enough bro like that's what's crazy about this industry these parents you know they they put their jobs on hold they take their kids out they think their kids are just gonna you know grow up train be the best riders what they don't know bro is um yeah we're just talking about like the the parents but i think like that speaks to uh the fact that i think one of the problems with motocross in general is that it's like the cheapest entry point to motorsports so like you're not really getting people that can like really afford to go all in like everything you know to go all Bro, in in moto like you've you literally given up your whole fucking life to do it like they're not people that are coming from like wealth that can give their kids the best of everything like the sacrifices that have to be made to be a motocross are huge because it's the you know the people that are coming into it are like kind of low lower economic um i guess people for the most part you know bro that's what i was trying to get at you know uh these parents you know they they see ricky carmichael they see james stewart they see dungy they think you know they're you know millions on millions on millions it's it's not like that really in all reality it's it's expensive because you know well, let's backtrack. These parents, you know, they 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 stop working and they take their kids and they go chase a dream. What they don't know is to get to that top level, bro, you know, your kid's going to have to do PEDs. I hate to say it, but to be at that top level, you know, you, you got to do PEDs. And, you know, they think they're, you know, stopping their job. They're going to be, they're all going to be set. The family's going to be set. They're going to be millionaires everyone's gonna be rich it's not like that bro they mm. they they're sold an illusion so that's it's 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 just uh it's crazy to think about man because if people really knew you know the inside scoops it's just it's an illusion it's it's, it's not what it looks like put it that yeah, way it, it costs millions like you know for Sealy, when Sealy was on here, he said that he'd probably spend like 150 or 160 a year just to like live and train in Florida. Bro. And he wasn't even on like the Alden deal or anything. Bro, think about at the top level. You got to buy an RV. You got to fly your parents out. You got to get hotels. You got to pay your trainers. You got to do PEDs that cost a lot of money, I heard. Not that it's, you know, not that I'm saying, not saying it's a bad thing, but that's what you have to do to compete at the top of the top. And these parents don't realize what they're getting their kids into. Because in all reality, are PEDs good for you? Maybe yeah, for a little bit, but the long run, uh, I'm good on that, bro. I was asked to do some. I wasn't about that life, bro. What? And, yeah, and like the sport, it, you know, it, 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 it's just getting too, it's getting too, like, 
not competitive because it's always been competitive, but it's just not fun anymore, bro. You had to do PEDs to compete with the top guys. Come on, bro. Like, do, let's keep do you it think, Do you think guys at the top are doing PEDs? Does a bear shit in the woods? <laughs> but you got to have money to do that, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, fuck, it's pretty... Yeah, I mean, it's definitely some. I've I've heard stuff from like back in the day a little bit. Like, I definitely haven't heard anything about the current crop of dudes. So I'd be speaking way out of school on that. But I mean, oh, I guess ignorance I'm, I'm is speak, bliss in my I'm world. I'm not speaking you know? on no one. I'm not speaking on no one, but it's there, bro. Yeah, and, fuck, uh, it's it's hectic. To, like dude. I said, like I said, bro, to be competitive though. To be at that top level, how can you uh, how, fuck the camera again? But oh, how are you end. not gonna? How are you not gonna do that shit? You know, to compete with these top guys, how are you not gonna? It's, it's, it's a t- dude. The sports, the risk isn't worth the reward. Put it that way. Um. Yeah. I mean, to like, so speaking on that, so I've been around Dunge a lot, and it's like. From knowing, like, I would say I know him well. And it's like knowing him, fuck, like, I just can't see him sticking a needle in his arm, you know? But it's like, it's like, fuck. That's why I, you gotta I mean, be the doctor. That's why you gotta have a lot of money, bro. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, bro, like, that's why, that's why I'm saying, like, Moto doesn't make enough money because I think, you know, there's just so many things you have to pay for. Mm. You know, it's just uh, if you want to be the the best of the best, it costs money. Yeah. In in, in this sport right now, like, what are you gonna do? Not do that? Like, how are you? How are you gonna compete with someone in a thirty minute moto if they're on PEDs? Yeah, but I mean, you look at like LeBron James. Like LeBron James famously spends millions of dollars of his own money, like on himself as well. So I mean, I guess like it's all relative like every dude in every top sport is gonna spend the money that he can i mean even me like i spend money to get like a massage and like i I spend money on good food so i mean i guess that you have to bro yeah i mean i guess that's just kind of like uh but you know the requirements i guess of like what it takes to be a pro motocross rider versus what you're getting paid to you know you can't really make like the million dollar investment in the same way that you know Bro, how much can. is it to win a Supercross now? Fuck, I don't even know. I think it's $2,500 to win a lights class. Yeah, see that... On the weekend. So that that there is kind of <laughs> to circle back to what we were saying. Like, there's no revenue stream outside of sponsorship. So, like, if you're... It's a circus. Yeah. If you're winning a lights class main event, like, you should be getting a lot more than $2,500. And, you know... It's a circus. Yeah, I don't even know what the, like, and it's all on the manufacturers to provide, like, it's a hundred, I mean, I don't know whether it's still a hundred K win bonus, it's probably like seven K to win a heat race, and it's probably, I don't know whether it's still a hundred K to win a, a 450 main event. Um, it's, no way, I I mean, I seen a, I seen a spreadsheet, and I didn't see nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, what do you Not reckon it would be about now to win a 450 main? I... 
I'm not going to speak on something I don't know, but I'm pretty sure I thought I seen five to 10,000 from like the stadium, not your sponsors, obviously. Yeah. 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 I'm like, you know, the people running the, running the show. <laughs> yeah. But what about from like a manufacturer? Cause it used back in the day, like I'm pretty sure James and Ricky and Chad were all getting. Oh, you're talking like Cowie Honda and all yeah, those. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. That just depends on your contract, bro. Some of them, I mean, if you're a factory rider, it better be at least half a million at least if yeah. you're a factory rider yeah but they ain't getting that per win they might be getting like a million oh i thought you bonus. meant the championship Nah, i'd, I'd say it's still probably about a million dollar championship bonus well um i know when uh um the when it was like nico uh stroop and all those guys i'm pretty sure uh pro circuit was like uh, i'm not even gonna speak on it it's not yeah, my, yeah yeah fair it's enough not my uh place to speak but that that whole uh it's not enough bro (laughs) yeah that whole generation of uh nico and stroop um there was guys like we kind of lost that whole generation through like kind of injury then it seemed like the opiate thing kind of hit that generation pretty hard like what what do you think was sort of going on that led to like that whole deal in that sort of specific generation i mean bro it's it's sad to speak on this this subject because bro we've uh we lost a lot of good people to we really did shit then. like this like big pharma bro they are, they they are the ones you know killing us and that's you know those are the people that get these people to do the other things you know the the bad stuff and it's just dude it 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 just it's a whole list of people bro but Mm. that's where it comes to you know you better have a good team to put you in check Mm. you know uh like like nico is he he didn't have a good team to keep him in check you know when i broke my neck and back uh the doctors prescribed me i think it was fucking oxycontin and my parents were like yeah, flushed them down the toilet, and I sat there and ate Advil. So I appreciate yeah, them really? for that shit because seeing all these people, you know, their their parents are like, "Oh, you need one here, take it," and then it leads to a fucking destruction. Yeah. But yeah, shout out to Stroop. I I heard he's I heard he's doing very well. Yeah, man, and yeah, I definitely hope that like speaking on this stuff is not in any way a negative in any way, shape, or form no. of the guys that went through this. Like, I think it's definitely important to try and i guess like educate uh people on you know what went down with certain guys and like because dude it's fucking sad man like nico izzy that motherfucker is one of the dopest styles on a dirt bike ever austin stroop that motherfucker first year like after like he raced millville and then parlor and like those races straight out of amateurs after loretta's like what a fucking stud dude like we we lost some guys that were as good as as good a riders as there's ever been out of amateurs and it's just fucking sad that that can happen so it's like i don't know i i hope that talking about this kind of stuff can definitely i mean i think we've kind of seen a shift anyway but it's like man those those guys were fucking i guess victims of a really shitty time and a really shitty situation Bro, that's the thing, bro. That's the best education for this topic, bro, is the riders should be able to smoke weed, Mm. you know? But if they have a prescription, they can take pills, you know? Like, 
what it just doesn't make sense bro weed is the cure weed heals concussions weed you know lets me sleep at night bro i have you know how many bones i broke i got metal in my neck and back and it's still hard to sleep but if it wasn't for thc where would i be because mm. i don't i don't lean towards the the big pharma shit i'm, I'm i avoid all that i'm all plant i'm all plants like yeah. for breakfast i i ate eggs toast and i ate some mushrooms yeah yeah no dude i totally totally am fucking <laughs> i'm totally with you on that program you just gotta have the right team bro and the right team will keep you there but some people fall off and it's it's, it's sad because there was a lot of talent that's lost yeah a lot yeah. from and, this specifically yeah and do you think that it was just the people that they had around them a little bit obviously you have to want to be the best you could be and you mm. you want to be clean and you want to go this route but if you you know are a little a little fucked up you know a little on the edge if you have the right team bro they'll put you in check and if mm. they don't they ain't your team yeah yeah so when you Weeds so when you yeah um yeah so what was it in the end that made you retire because you came back and you were killing it again um what was it that that eventually made you hang it up so yeah um like i said i came back i was waxing it um but what made me retire is uh i kept training blah 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 i was getting ready for supercross and uh i was actually training with davy at his house in georgia just davy and uh ezra lost too um but uh it was two days before houston supercross uh my bike cut out on a face of a triple and uh i just framed it and i i broke my thumb and uh obviously i wanted to race the supercross and even i didn't even tell anyone i had a i didn't tell the team i was riding for a honda of troy 11 10 mods because i just wanted to race you know <laughs> i didn't know when it would be my last day so i raced duct taped it uh, I, I made the night show. I didn't, I didn't make the, uh, or I qualified, but I didn't make the night show or whatever. Cause obviously a broken hand. Well, after that, I went to the doctors, they, to, you know, get casted or whatever. And they're like, Hey, let's check your neck when we're here, you know, cause your, your neck's pretty messed up. And they, they checked my neck and the vertebrae above and below the fusion I got. Cause I got C4 removed and c4 and c6 fused with a cage plate and screws um from you know training seat bouncing and casing jumps uh it wore the vertebrae above and below it so the vertebrae are about to collapse so i actually oh, had no. to get two more fusions i was actually told to get it i had a five-year uh time frame to get the other fusions it's been seven years i just been running it because i mean bro it's 2021 maybe there's gonna be new technology soon but yeah <laughs> that's yeah. what that's what ended it all and the doctor wouldn't sign off for me to go back to racing and you know i could have done it but i thought about it and there's more to life than just moto bro yeah. even though i still ride now but you know at a racing level there's no way you're not gonna crash there's no way you're not gonna get hurt there's no way you're not gonna endo and eat shit so I just uh, I just made the call for the better, but um, thank God the doctor didn't release me because I'd be one of those kids that still send it. <laughs> yeah. So at what point did mu was music something that 
you saw as like a career path like were you always into music when you were like even when you were racing or so i actually started making music in uh um at mtf in my rv <laughs> uh because i would do it I, we were all so bored there after we rode and everyone would play you know xbox playstation i just went and bought a computer and started making beats and that's when i started making music but uh yeah, it, after after Moto, obviously, I was like, "Fuck a job, I'm still gotta, I still gotta try to live this life." So, I went hard with music, dropped an album called Throttle Still Twisted, and uh, what made me really go ham with it is, uh, so this family called me for appearance for their daughter's graduation, and uh, I went there. Um, we went to the school. She graduated. Blah blah blah. And we went back to their house. We were just, you know, drinking beer, shooting the shit. And they sat down. And they said they wanted to tell me something. And I said, okay, what's up? And she starts um, telling me a story on how this kid raped her. And uh, she said she was, she was going to commit suicide. But um, the reason she didn't was because she kept listening to my song, Fly Away. And it's about, you know, struggling and coming back. And, uh, yeah, that's the reason why she didn't commit suicide. And we even went to a tattoo place, bro. She got B. Maisie tatted on her whole arm. But after that, it just gave me chills. And, and I knew that I could speak to people through my music. And, you know, it could, it could do, you know, more good, you know, better than what's going on right now with these rappers talking about, you know, take Xanax bars, do this, do that. I'm just trying to send a good message to the new generation because they need that, bro. Like... There's too much bad shit in the air, in the music, and I'm just trying to change that, you know, and send the great message. So after after that whole appearance, I started taking it super serious, and now we're here. Dude, that's cool as fuck. Yeah, gave me chills, bro. I I I, I think I might have had a couple of tears. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, dude, yeah, I, I definitely feel you. Um, I mean, I started... I started this just pretty much out of like I had my visa fuck up in America and then um, I actually had this thing that I did with Red Bull and then I was like oh, I'll just put it out and then my buddy Toby won the Dakar so then I was like oh, I'll put that out and it just sort of turned into a thing that like people really got a lot from and I was just like kind of in you know in that similar position I was like well fuck you got something here that can help people it's like well you should then exactly that's what it's all about bro you know when you, and when you get that feeling bro it's like you just shift up a gear and it's mm. wide open from there like after that i i was wide open bro everyone told me i wouldn't make it in music i wouldn't be shit i belong on a dirt bike this dirt dirt bike that well i think it's going pretty good bro i released a album called vaccine december 11th and i hit eighth on the hip-hop charts in the country so i'm uh pretty pumped on that and shout out to all the fans thank you guys for allowing me to be in this industry and stay away from a nine to five <laughs> well dude man like i remember when you dropped your first album because i was in america at the time and i was like i'm real good friends with walt and wes and like that whole crew and um i was definitely pumped for you to you know not obviously like not knowing you but i was like fuck yeah like that's a dude having like a, a legitimate crack at something that 
and to be a fucking white rapper <laughs> in America <laughs> is probably like that's probably the hardest job that you could pick. I mean, bro, I get off on people telling me I can't do shit, so that's why I went hard with it and proved motherfuckers wrong. Mm. I feel like uh, I feel like you'd have to have that gene of not giving a fuck what people think if you want to be a white rapper. Oh yeah, bro. Especially after, uh, you know, I I didn't even touch base with like telling the people why I had to stop racing because I'm just that dude that don't give a fuck and don't want sympathy. But uh, yeah, like if you don't have that give a f- not if you don't have that don't give a fuck attitude in making music, you ain't gonna make it because when you tell someone you're a rapper, they're like, oh yeah, one of those guys. Yeah, but, yeah, dude. You know, once you fight, once you fight through that shitty, that shitty line, it's all up from there, bro. Yeah, was there like shit? Now I'm doing um, what? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Ben. You can go ahead. Oh no, I was just um, I was just gonna say like, how long was the period for you of like, because you, you hear a lot of people that are like, man, I just had to eat shit for five years before it really fucking paid off for me, and <laughs> you know, so it's like. What was the process of eating shit like for you? Um, dude, after I lost racing, I was fucked up. Like, you know, I, 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 I didn't know where to go, who to be, you know, and, um, music helped with that, bro. I got to like, you know, let some steam off and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, music's great bro and i get to talk to the world i get to get put good vibes out and you know uh it's it's hard getting past that you know the eat shit you're an idiot part but once you do it's all up from there it probably took me i don't know a few years four years to really make everyone take me serious yeah how long have you been doing it now the music stuff. I started making music in 2007. Yeah, right. It's a long time, huh? Long time. That's like some. PhD but I'm pumped now, bro. My my new album, Vaccine, it did great. Um, shout out Jelly Row. We made a song about you know some real life stuff and real life problems, losing people, paying too many taxes. Shout out to Mercules. He uh, did a song on my album as well called Hard Headed. You know, just some motivation shit. You listen to it at the gym. I try to make, you know, music that, you know, people can feel. I'm not I'm not trying to make music just, oh, I'm so cool. I'm I'm a, I'm a part of here. You know, I'm, I'm not yeah. about that shit. Like, I want to make music that touches the fucking soul. So, you know, every song on my on my uh, my new album, Vaccine, it's it's something, you know, it's it's it's. From the soul, bro. The one song's about, you know, trying to tell my dad there's more to life than working hard hand labor till you're dead. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's just, uh, I, I try to make some real music and uh, not hide the problems like all these other people, you know. We all have problems no matter where we are in life, no matter your financial problems, your stress problems, your anxiety problems, your lost this, you lost that job. We all have problems and Everyone needs to know that we all have problems, even if you're, you know, being getting more successful. We all have it. So I'm trying to, you know, make music that touches people, you know, that, you know, that they can really feel that shit. So what, and not hide um, nothing. 
when uh when you first started did you um did you know anything about like the production how to actually make an album how to make music how to drop that shit like (laughs) did you have any of that help or you just went all in like on your own and like just tried to figure it out um dude i just figured it out youtube bro youtube's college it's free college like i i uh this this album vaccine that went eighth on the hip-hop charts i i produced it myself that's zero dollars to produce it you know i just the last uh probably four years you know i I went into hibernation i went i went to my studio and i told myself i want to get sick as fuck and i went in there and you know, I I didn't come out, man. I just learned, 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 and then I finally, I finally felt to I was at a point where I'm ready to, you know, go back at it, and yeah. it paid off. <laughs> Dude, that's like, so I, bro, sick. I'm, I'm talking about like I produce myself, I record myself, I mix myself, I master myself, I do it all. So there's like really no one in the studio with you at all. No one, but uh, I actually. Um, Matt Grundle, he's been helping me with some music now. I finally have a team, so it's uh, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on having a team because you know I don't know if you know, but I've never had a team. It was just me, myself, and I this this whole ride. So now I got a team. Green Valley Lounge, we smoke up. <laughs> That's so sick. So actually, matter yeah. of fact, dude, my, my matter of fact, my back kind of hurts. I'm gonna I'm gonna put some Alias CBD on my back so I can see. Yeah, good. What is that? Um, has Grundle's got like their own brand of CBD and shit? Yeah. Oh, I didn't oh, know yes. that. CBD pain bomb. Bro, it's, uh, bro, it's like I have so much arthritis and I put it, I put it on my, uh, I put it on my, uh, you know, where it's hurting, bro. It kills it. This shit even gets rid of, uh, chick's cellulite. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. That's fucking yeah. rad. We'll we'll send you a box of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm fucking down with that. Um, it works yeah, great man, though, bro. Like it's like, not no it's not no smoke it's not no smoke shop CBD, bro. It actually fucking works. That's what's awesome about it. Yeah, well, those I know the grundles don't fuck around. Mm-mm. I'm at their house right now, as you can see, bro. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, they're fucking good people. Yeah, um, they, they kill it, bro. They got uh, Mike's just he's a savage, bro. You need to get him on the show, bro. I'm telling you. Go yeah, look dude, at his Twitter. It's hilarious. He yeah, calls I'll, motherfuckers out in the industry. It's awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to. Um, yeah, I'd love to get him on. Um, yeah, what you, what you were just saying about like locking yourself away for like years and years, man. There's definitely something to that, and I mean, it's kind of been like I, I feel like from my in my own lane, like I've always had like a pretty pretty solid work ethic, and that's sort of got me to where I am now. But man, I really hit a different gear through covid just because restriction was like that's what 2020 was it was just like all these new restrictions were imposed on us and i definitely just did not push back against any of them i just locked myself in this fucking studio and i produced podcast after podcast after podcast after podcast and i fucking ate shit on youtube all year until like october and finally (laughs) some stuff clicked and you know like I was doing the same shit like I'm the same guy having the same conversations with the same type of people but it's like it has this momentum that needs to be gathered you need to learn as a person you need to figure this shit out and then it's like you 
you know, kind of what you just said, you can put it out to the world and, and you feel ready. And I mean, I guess it was a little bit different in the fact that I was still, you know, producing and it was still going out, but it really feels like, you know, the package just gets better at a certain point to where, you know, you, um, you, you feel like you are like, Hey, fucking we're, we're onto something here. Yeah. Like, I won't even say people. I'll even just make my friends an example. Um, they're just scared to sacrifice, you know, going to the bars, going to parties and, yeah. you know, hanging out with chicks. Sometimes you got to sacrifice that shit to become what you need to be. And then once you get there, bro, all that shit just falls. But yeah. people don't want to put in that work and they don't want to sacrifice it. But it's what that's what it's going to take to, you know, be a real OG motherfucker. Yeah, dude, I didn't fucking, I haven't hung out with a chick for a year, I haven't done fucking <laughs> shit for, you know what, like, and I'm serious, like, I'm serious, like, I caught everything Because you went to work, bro. Yeah. You went to work. And, and, you and know, like. it's paying off, like, I don't, I don't listen to many podcasts, bro, but I listen to yours and I fuck with it. That's why I was like, hell yeah, I'll be on the show, bro. Like, you know, you know, you, you could tell a difference, you know, when, when someone puts in the work and when someone doesn't. Yeah, and I mean, I'm definitely like, fuck, I, I feel like I should preface it. Like, I ain't I ain't looking for any fucking praise for it, but I'm just trying to, like, I'm just trying to speak on the fact that, like, there's a fucking roadmap here, and it's real easy to follow. It's like, lock yourself away, restrict yourself to anything that, if there's, like, pretty much this is the way I sort of looked at it. If there's a fucking short-term pleasure gain or, like, some short-term validation that's involved in the decision you're about to make don't make that decision only make decisions you know what i mean like for 12 let's go bro let's go for one year only making decisions that have a short-term pain and a long-term gain and it's like commit to that shit for 12 months and your life will be different yep and when you know most people fuck up like all these riders you know all they know is moto so when they do, you know, save some money, they they forget about the real life stuff, you know. Go buy some real estate, you know. Go buy things that are going to make you money so, you know, you can make that money consistently and you don't have to work till you're 80 years old. But these guys don't get it. And uh, that's what, uh, like, uh, Mike Rondo's been, you know, really teaching me stuff like that. You know, some real life, you know, make it and be successful and, you know, make it last. Mm. you know stock trading all of it It, it, you just gotta you just gotta do it man and you gotta want to do it most of these kids they just get lazy bro and then you know they they have some money they're sitting on and then it runs all out because they didn't do anything with it you gotta really Mm. fucking put the pedal to the floor and branch out of just your you know this you gotta go here yeah so where where did you start like did you start trying to learn like ableton or what was like your first port of call when it came to like trying to learn your own shit <laughs> my, my first my, yeah my first program was GarageBand, but you know you can do so much with that so now i just use uh i actually use a bunch of stuff logic studio pro yep. tools i still use reason atmosphere it's uh it's definitely a lot of work when you do it all yourself, bro. <laughs> Dude, yeah. It's like when I when I produce an album, like it, it takes me a little longer than someone that just has a producer knocking shit out because I'm a perfection artist, you know, so I want to make everything perfect and 
Yeah, bro, I do it all. I do it all myself, and I'm proud of that shit. <laughs> yeah, dude, you should be that. That shit's fucking. Tell me hard. what other artist does it. Tell me yeah, what I other mean, artist they're... does that. That's why. I, that's why I wanted to learn it, and that's why I do it the way I do because I want to be. Dude, I have moto mentality. I want to be one of the best. So mm. that's where. I'm yeah, at. I mean, uh, you look at um, guys like like ASAP Rocky. Like he he has said that he really got a new appreciation for music when he started making his own beats. Like um, there was one of his albums um, where he he was like pr he produced like a couple of the beats for his own songs. I mean, obviously, like a different dude like he's with like a big label and shit like that but you know for yeah. a guy like him to say like man i really changed the game for me when i started producing my own beats and rapping on my own beats so there's definitely something to that so if you can do a whole album of your own shit bro when i hit eighth on the charts like my my album was like next to dr dre a tupac album and I'm like thinking in my head, like, imagine how much those dudes paid, not paid, but you know, how much it costs to produce those albums. Mm. And then you look at mine next to them, it's like zero dollars. <laughs> like yeah, I produced yeah. it for zero dollars, bro. That's what it's just, it's mind blowing. But like, that's, I'm, you know, I get satisfied, like I, I get, I'm satisfied from that shit because, you know, it's not many people can do it. Russ does it. He's like one of the only other guys, but I just, I want to be better than the night, than Jesus, I want to be better than the next guy, bro. And I have mm. that moto mentality and I'll never lose that shit. Yeah. And, and so for the, like when I was in America, I used to do a fair bit of stuff with like some um, different artists and we were in studios a little bit. And uh, yeah, there definitely isn't that moto mentality athlete work ethic in the music industry in any way, shape or form. Nope. <laughs> like... That's another thing. Moto, Moto makes a motherfucker street smart, bro. Not book smart, but like for example, like I'm still Moto as hell, bro. I dropped out fifth grade, blah blah blah. But you know when Mike Grandel is explaining something to me about like business, he'll put it in Moto terms, and I'll be like, oh yeah, duh. Why am I so stupid? Now I get it. <laughs> so it's just like it's Moto, bro, and I feel like it does. It does a lot for us, you know, it, it makes us, you know, not scared to take risk. So we almost have an advantage on, you know, regular humans. Mm. To be yeah, quite honest. I, I would agree with that. And I mean, even me, like I raced, I was fucking not good and I was never even close to being pro, but I, I've raced my whole life. I still race now. And I mean, even to like, I do jujitsu real seriously. Like that's like kind of my main thing that I do now. And I mean, I even carry like moto shit into jujitsu and, and people like that gave me this big advantage because like, I, I'm just not scared to get hurt. Like this, the shit that <laughs> exactly like, the shit that in other people's head, they're like, Oh fuck, I don't want to do that. Or I don't really want to go that hard against that person. I'm like, man, this does not hurt. Like getting fucking like hitting the ground by going over the bars on a hundred foot jump like that shit fucking sucks like this is fine but you know there, there's just <laughs> yeah. a there is a general mentality that you get from you know being a fucking moto kid and dude even like the the injuries that we've had like last year i broke my hip from a dirt bike crash and all the people that are around me that don't race dirt bikes like i'm walking around and i'm like still doing my shit i'm still doing my podcast i'm still like pushing through all this shit and everyone's just like 
what the fuck? And like, hey, I'm not special. <laughs> Everyone that does moto is like that. Like my buddy Sawley, he raced, uh, we got like this, it's like kind of like our Baja. And uh, he cartwheels, snaps his fucking hamstring off his ass. The, he's got like this sack of where his hamstring is at the back of his leg. And the motherfucker's still at the after party dancing around and then like just walking... <laughs> you know walking his bags on planes and just like essentially not injured even though that would fuck up a regular person person no end so there, oh, there yeah, is a bro. crazy like, for mentality. example yeah like for example i broke my collarbone and i think i waited a week and a half and i got moved up to the the class with barsha tomac at loretta's and i rode with a broken collarbone two-third overalls <laughs> Like a regular human, they'll fucking bruise themselves. They'll be like, I got to go lay down for a week. Jesus. I mean, Moto just makes us savages. Like, you know, Mm. for example, a regular human Moto guy, if there's an investment and the regular guy's hesitant and it's 50,000 and the Moto kid's got 50,000, we're going to say, fuck it. Sure. Let's do it. Mm. So I do feel Moto has an advantage. Just my opinion, though. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with it. There's a, a, a special kind of mindset that you have to... I mean, even the fact that uh, it's probably fucking dumb, but, you know, you can just push out the fact that every time you ride, you might die. Exactly. I still... Dude, I still ride even with a fucked up neck. Like, it's like my therapy, bro. Like, mm. I, I finally got a Harley and I'm doing all... i actually doing stunt shows for Harley Davidson here and there with Kyle, uh, the Ives Brothers. But oh, yeah. you know, it's just two wheels is therapy, bro. It's therapy. I love you can't you can't beat it. And like when you ride, bro, your brain stops. Mm-hmm. And like, and you know how I I keep saying I fuck the industry. The industry's fucked. Dirt bikes. I still have. I love dirt bikes more than anything on this planet. Like mm-hmm. moto is fucking great. The industry's just not. So I just wanted to clear that up to make sure you knew that yeah, moto yeah. is still my life <laughs> yeah what um what kind of riding are you doing these days when you are on a dirt bike um just normal riding bro uh when I, I i was living in california the last three or four years hit pala uh milestone bunch of places but dude i just go out and ride you know stuff people take them out throw a couple whips drink a beer yeah <laughs> smoke a joint it must be and just like, go back to the truck and go home <laughs> Yeah, dude, it'd be it'd be so fucking cool to have like the level of ability that you have on a dirt bike and only ride for fun because like I'm a okay rider and it's like when I go riding like it's still kind of a struggle like I'm still really thinking about riding like I'm like all right do all your fucking shit good don't crash like every time I'm like if I hit big jumps I'm like tripping on hitting big jumps and it's like it's still Bro, a pretty it, stressful experience but someone that, <laughs> that's like at your level like fuck you can just kind of cr- go and just cruise on any track and you're hitting all the jumps and like fuck it must be pretty fun to be that level of rider but have zero of the pressures because normally if you're as good at riding a bike as you are that comes with like external pressures you know race results sponsors all that shit yeah and what's cool is uh you know uh like I'm not talking myself up, but I was at Pala, Pala or whatever you call it, riding, and uh, one of the Monster Energy guys, 
Pro Monster Energy Pro Circuit guys were there, and I was holding them off for like three laps, and like <laughs> I put them up on a berm and stopped, and he was like, "Get the fuck out of my way! I'm doing moto." So it it just feels pretty cool that I still have it, <laughs> but I shouldn't be you know riding like that. But bro, when you get on a bike, bro, it's not like you can just be like, "Yo, go slow." Yeah. But once you have it, I feel like you never lose it. Like look oh, at Stroop, dude. he's riding again. He's fucking slaying it. Yeah, dude, that's that's what I'm saying. Is like for me, like I'm still like getting better. Like I still try to get better at riding. It's like you've just got this level where you're like, hey, I go to parlor, I hit all the fucking jumps, I'll hold out some pro circuit cowie dudes, but just like zero yeah. pressures. Sit back on the tailgate, drink a beer, smoke a joint, and you're just fucking chill. Like that that must be I a pre- pretty cool fucking feeling. Bro, I forgot who it was. Uh, one of like the smaller teams actually came up to me at Pell. They're like, "Do you still race?" I'm like, "No, I just you know do a couple laps and I'm done." They're like, "Well, shit, if you want to get back into racing, we'll give you a bike." And I'm like, "I can't, bro. I'm good. Thanks for the offer, though." <laughs> but that's fucking. I mean, that's a pretty cool fucking position to be in, though, right? Like, there's not that many people that can say that. Honestly, it's fucking awesome that. I can still ride a dirt bike and not have to worry about the training, the fucking, you know, getting watched like a hawk. You can't go to the club. You can't go to the bar. You can't do this. You can't do that. It's just nice to not have to deal with any of that, but still ride dirt bikes. Like you Mm. can't beat that feeling when, you know, you don't have to give a fuck about, you know, training, blah, blah, blah. And it's just smooth sailing, just, you know, cruising on a bike. You're like, damn, this is really what dirt bikes are about. Yeah, dude, no, 100%. I mean, I'm fucking packing up this weekend. I'm going to go stay. There's a track like three hours from us. It's fucking epic. And me and my best friend are going to load up. And then that's just the deal. Like, well, I'm, I'm out of the fucking studio. And I just, just got another go bike. What'd you get? I just got another bike. Look at that. What uh, is that thing? A Honda 450. Is it a new one? The 2020. Ooh, sick. 2020 was a leftover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't need that 2021 shit. But I just can... decked it out. I got to get the seat cover from Traction MX still, but yeah. Who um, <laughs> who are you Who are you still tight with in moto? Uh, Obviously uh, the Grundles. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm tight with a lot of guys still. Uh, a lot of people, bro. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Twitch, uh um shit i can't even name the guys bro i i mean like i you know me bro i've been in the sport for how long yeah i just uh i still keep in contact with everyone yeah you know just keep you know keep it real and are you watching much supercross at all these days i i think i watched the first one i haven't watched one honestly i when i watch supercross bro i get pissed off because I know like who I used to be and you know it yeah. just makes you it makes you piss bro <laughs> when you see this guy winning you're like damn I used to smoke him so yeah I know I just, but I mean and another thing is I I just uh, I just don't like to support that that industry not not that industry specifically but the people running it like got love for all the riders keep killing it hope you guys uh one day come together and start a union because that's what needs to happen but yeah what do you think has stopped people from starting like a writer's union it's something that just gets thrown about so much but never really happens i think uh 
the higher ups have too much control and everyone's scared to grow a set of balls and you know come together because they think they might get thrown out of the sport or you know some some dumb shit like that i mm. think it's just like almost like someone like waving it over their head like yeah, you fuck up i'm gonna get you like i mean look at stewart he got banned from uh uh racing for a year because his uh prescription bottle wasn't renewed or something like one of the best riders like bro what the fuck are you guys doing <laughs> like, dude i will i think that's why he retired <laughs> man i will say that's been my lowest point of hating the fucking industry was when Stuart got banned for Adderall, which he had a fucking prescription for. Like, I just, I could not, I could not get my head around the fact that there's a guy that has a prescription for, a, a, a you know, a pharmaceutical drug that you can get an exemption for. Like, dude, to cost the best dude in the sport his career over something like that. And I mean, the counter argument is, oh, well, he should have done the paperwork, right? Well, okay, mistakes fucking happen. Like, what's the intent here? Is the intent for James Stewart to, like, cheat and fuck the industry over an Adderall prescription? Is there that intent? Because, okay, if there's that intent and he was trying to cheat and he was trying to be a piece of shit, then maybe. But it's like, I where where is that intent i did not see any fucking evidence of that like james stewart ain't like figuring like filing his own paperwork to do his own shit like uh, like what are we expecting of this fucking guy and when that happened and when that went down and he copped that two years that essentially like they took james stewart from us and that to me i was just like all right there's some fucking weird shit going on here bro it's pathetic bro <laughs> like it's like i said bro it's the people running the sport they're ruining it and how is weed still not legal so like, weed's still not I'll legal keep for saying it bro dudes? like what so weed isn't legal for you can't get an exemption in hell for no weed? really hell no no oh, shit because the nfl and bro just that's did that, the only right? thing that that's the only thing that does that you know like it'll do good for you. All the other shit's fucking killing you. Big farmership, that shit. Throw that in the trash, bro. Weed, weed's the cure, bro. It cures concussions. It cures a lot of fucking things, bro. Yeah, I think it's that, helped me a tremendous amount, bro. I don't know where I would be if I couldn't smoke weed. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely feel you on that front. Um, if you you can look at other sports as well, like the NFL, I'm pretty sure has made some pretty big strides towards uh, cannabis in in their organization. That was recent, right? Yeah, and then the UFC yeah. as well. The UFC, like, you pretty much have to be high while you're fighting to pop in a drug <laughs> test for weed. No, like seriously, because Nate, uh, I think it was Nick Diaz. Like Nick Diaz yeah, got, got, got done. It, well, I mean, he was probably fucking smoking weed in the change rooms before the fight. Oh, yeah, bro. Him and his brother are fucking, that's all they do. But like, they get it. I mean, think about how many times they get hit in the head, bro. They need weed. Weed. Yeah. Weed heals concussions. It really does. Yeah, fuck. I, I haven't really looked into that. You know who I really uh, I respect is uh, Austin Forkner. I like that kid's attitude. Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck what anyone says, and he sends it. RJ Hampshire, too. He He's another sender, bro. 
another one dude uh yeah rj <laughs> rj rips like heavy rips and is sending it at all times that he's on the bike he has like he's one of those dudes where if you were if it was like a mortal Kombat character and you were like picking up <laughs> attributes like straight yeah. heart straight heart would be 100 oh yeah and uh he goes for it bro and that's that's what i respect because that's the mentality you got to have in moto mm. and uh they just deserve so much more bro you know yeah nah. you know riding like that and giving that much you know effort dude they deserve so much more and the the risk and the reward is just so far apart it's crazy <laughs> yeah yeah man like you know one kid that one kid that comes to mind in that scenario is zach bell oh yeah gave every gave Dude, i remember growing up bro he would he would send it he'd get hurt he'd be riding in two weeks <laughs> mm. sending it again yeah and i mean i don't know if that many people know the story of their family like they grew up like poor like really really poor and they had tracks at their house and like moto was it for them that's where I broke my neck and back. His house. No shit. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, everyone, uh, it was like drizzling that day and everyone took off riding and, you know, <clears throat> my dad was a little hard on me but made me a savage and he says, you're fucking riding today. <laughs> and uh, we went to Bell's house and that's when I, I uh, broke my neck and back. When you said before that you hit a tree root, I was like, I wonder where or what, like, riding you were doing. But their their house, like, their track is in around all those pine trees, right? Yeah, I, I actually did it on the sand track. So, I even had, dude, that's the crazy thing, too, is those neck braces, bro. I don't think those, I don't think they're good. Because I had that on, and the doctor explained to me. So, when I crashed... It was in sand, so I swap sideways. Say this is my helmet, and this is the neck brace. My yeah. helmet stuck, and the brace it uh it wouldn't allow the helmet or like my head to move. So it just kept pushing and just popped and snapped my neck. And uh, I mean, you gotta the way I look at it now. You got, look at James Stewart, Ricky Carmichael. They've never worn neck braces, and they've never you know got mm. super hurt like that and now once these neck braces came out think about how many more people have been paralyzed broke their necks their backs it i don't know it's it's a uh i don't know about that hey i'm kind of on the same fucking wavelength with that because you know you really it's like heavy to say to be honest and yeah yeah I, I don't know, but I mean, I think about the people that started. I didn't want to blow neck braces out. I didn't want to blow neck braces out like that, but I'm I'm not one to hold shit in, bro. I tell the fucking truth. And uh, the only thing I think they are good for is say you end over a jump and land on your head. Yeah. It's, it's going to help. Backwards. Yeah. Exactly. But the sideways shit, think about what I just said. It, it had nowhere to go and it kept pulling and just fucking snapped my neck, snapped my vertebrae. Yeah. Well, man, like you look at the 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 people that um, the people that got 
neck injuries like right around that time like Ernesto Fonseca um, had his injury um, there's a couple guys in Australia that had his injury um, there's like I know like I know someone that fucking died um, that had one and there was like a sort of an injury that that came from something being around that area um, and I mean Landon I know Courier. yeah well, was he wearing one as well yep I mean, bro, if you go look, if you like really go look deep into it and uh, see when neck braces came out and how many more like broken necks and paralyzations there were, mm. you would, everyone would be mind blown, bro. So, yeah. I don't know and, about those things and I'll never wear another one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, dude, I, I won't wear one either. Um, I mean, even like, dude, I broke my collarbone like four times wearing the, those fucking things like i never had a broken oh yeah bone. they'll break those then too <laughs> I, yeah i was having like the, i was having i forgot who oh no sorry go ahead dude i forgot who it was but uh you know like the it might have been trevor doney rest in peace trevor doney by the way i just went to his funeral um but uh yeah he uh had a neck he had a neck brace on and uh he crashed and you know the piece that goes down your back mm-hmm. it pushed in and uh broke his vertebrae in his back so it's just like dude there's too much shit that it could break it's like what's the point like like yeah. just rock it without it bro look at Stuart and carmichael they're still good and they, they crash harder than all of us they never yeah. wore a neck brace yeah no dude I I no i mean i'm pretty much of the same opinion and i mean i know um the the other thing too that you think about like so knee braces if you're wearing knee braces you're probably going if you get hit in the right spot you're either going to break your femur or you're going to break your tib fib and you're going to break it right around the end of that knee brace that's why hey i still wear knee braces because you know what oh yeah for sure i don't want to fuck my acl i know that a straight snap femur you know what i mean like i'll I'll take that risk but i definitely know when i'm putting on knee braces that if i land the wrong way there's pressure because it's like here's the thing and it pushes against that that bone but i'm fucking good with that because i'd rather that than blow out my acl and be out for x y long but so it's like you apply that same concept to a fucking neck brace i just don't know that i want to I don't know that I want to risk anything in that area. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't support neck braces, man. (laughs) But hey, uh, I will say with the, with like, obviously to take that position and to be honest and open about where we're at on those, I will say that the company that started and first invented those did it with the best of intentions so there's like at oh no for point, sure you know i'm I mean? not yeah i'm yeah. not saying anything like that but you gotta look at you know the, I, I know yeah i just want to like yeah that's and what I just the doctor make, told me so yeah and i just want to make that point known. it's not like that it's not like uh we're, we're thinking that there was some negative intentions going on when companies started no, making those no. products like there's none no. of that shit but when you do go back and you do look at it, there's been a lot of shit that those, yeah, were involved in. So honestly, shout out to them for going out of the way, you know, to, you know, screw it. But um, yeah, no, shout out, bro. They went the extra mile and spent some money to, you know, yeah. try to save save kids. But I just don't think it did too well. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, fuck, you can't nail every product, right? 
Yeah, no one can. That's <laughs> what happens, bro. You you try, you win some, you lose some. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. people are still rocking them. If that's what you think works, then run it. I think there's even like a bit of an argument for technique now where like you're not able to look as far forward down the track. I mean, that's that's something that I've heard quite a lot lately and you hear about people that take it off and then they start like looking a little bit looser and freer on the bike like Basha kind of comes to mind. Oh, yeah. For sure, bro. You could, you're way more comfortable without that thing, without a doubt. But going back to the femur stuff and the knee braces, I wore EVS my whole life and I never broke a femur and I never tore ACL. So, what kind of braces did you run? Put that out there. Uh, dude, I don't remember. Were EVS, they like braces uh, or were they braces or pads? They were knee braces. They were kind of like both. They were like, yeah, okay. they kind of looked like a knee pad, but they were knee braces. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, dude, EVS made good shit. Oh, yeah, for sure. EVS kills it. Yeah, so like the the music side of things again. So you have this album that hits the charts, the hip-hop charts at number eight. What, like, does your phone start ringing a bit more? Does like some opportunities start popping up from here? Or how does how do you see that? Or like how did it sort of change when you got that kind of response oh for sure it uh a lot more people are hitting hit me hitting me up for features and uh you know uh companies are trying to sponsor music videos uh trust me vodka just sent a couple cases of vodka <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it, it's like it's like opening a door but even before the album i got an offer with interscope and live nation and uh it just wasn't wasn't something I was trying to pursue because uh, I didn't want to be, you know, locked down and milked. So I just put that aside and told myself I'll do some more footwork and stay independent and keep it OG. But um, yeah. yeah, I've been uh, talking to talking with some big uh, some big names and working with some artists like uh, Jelly Roll, Mercules, FJ Outlaw. I just did some stuff with Trap the Bill. Um, maybe even some Wiz Khalifa stuff in the future. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, I even went to uh, MGK's house, uh, and when I was in California, it was pretty dope. We talked some music, played him some stuff. He's like, "Hell yeah, this shit's dope!" So uh, trying to do some stuff with him, uh, Yellow Wolf. Um, trying to get some stuff in with him too as well, and uh, definitely want to do some stuff with Upchurch too. You know Upchurch? Nah. Yeah, look him up. He's pretty sweet. And uh, but yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Just trying to you know do some stuff because uh, the my whole music career in my head, I thought of it this way as in I didn't want any features because I didn't want people to say, oh, he blew you up. So I literally did all this with no features, and uh, you know, December eleventh, I dropped that album, Vaccine. That was my first album with features. So I'm gonna start working with a lot of people yeah, now okay. for 2021. Go ham, bro. Man, it's funny you say that. Like, uh, the, you know, like I want to do it myself and without features and stuff like that. But I mean, I think that you, I mean, I don't know whether this is the case for you, but you, I feel like I got to a point where it's like, all right, what, what's like just best practice? Like, what's everybody do that works? Because there is a formula that works for people. And I mean, even, like for me, it was fucking clickbaity titles on YouTube video. Like yeah. I was like, I don't want 
you know what I mean? I don't want to be the guy that uses the clickbaity videos, but then it's like, okay, well, if it doesn't work without it, the content's still the same. So you add in the same content with no clickbait title and thumbnail, or you add a clickbait thumbnail and title. One does way better. One does nothing. And it's just like, it's the same content. So in terms of me as the producer and, you know, the rapper, whatever, it's like, you've got this certain like best practice shit that just like gets your good content out there. And I mean, there was a point where I just kind of accepted. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be the fucking, I'm going to do what good people do that are in this lane. And it's like, so that whole concept of like best practice, best practice, like you can do all the best practice shit and be a turd and people will watch it just because you're doing all the clickbait, whatever. But it's like, if you've got the good content there as well, then I just don't see the problem with that nowadays. Whereas before I kind of did, I wanted to be like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. But at the end of the day, the content's still the same, but I was just handicapping myself. Yeah. That's where we can go back to moto terms, bro. Staying consistent. Um, Mm. I don't think there's, I don't really think there's a recipe for, you know, blowing up. I think the recipe is, say in the music side is making good music staying consistent putting it out and you know really you know touching people's souls through your music i think that's there's really no recipe unless you're on a label they obviously blow you up but yeah i feel like it's consistency consistency Mm. consistency that's all it is even with you bro when you put stuff out you know back to back and back and back and back you know it does better than putting one out here and then one over there it's consistency yeah. and being a real motherfucker too. not not editing yourself for, you know, these people that, you know, need to hear edited stuff like I don't edit a fucking thing in me. You know, I I am who I am if you don't like it. So that's I, feel, I think just being I real. goes. I think being real and laying it down and saying how it is. I think that's the recipe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you on that. Um, so what's like your, are you doing all of the strategy type stuff yourself, um, in terms of like music video, art direction, like, you know, the, the artwork and shit, like, is it, is everything falling on your shoulders at this point? Um, I mean, it's been on my shoulders for, yeah, for as long as I can remember, but now I actually am, like I said, I'm working with Matt Grondel, so um, I actually, you know, have a have a team now, so it makes it easier on me because, you know, we can think of these things together, what's, what's going to, you know, work better than this and work better than that, because I was just a, you know, fuck it, do it. I'd yeah. tell my buddy to design something, throw it out. <laughs> like, now I'm, you know, putting strategies behind my my music and my drops and uh you know just uh planning it out instead of just throwing it out (laughs) yeah well i think too um what you're saying for about consistency and i think like you have to kind of be okay with knowing it's not your best shit or you know like you put something out and it's like oh well then like i know that if i wait another year like i'm gonna be fucking so much better than i am now at rapping or producing or whatever it is but it's like i i feel like it's the ones that are brave enough to just like kind of put their shit out regardless and just keep kind of trudging through it and you know you spoke about russ like dude russ's early stuff was fucking trash 
Yeah, he just put like he said, like dude, he uh, did a video not too long ago. He's like, I just put, I put like a hundred songs out a year, and I just do it consistent, even if the shit was, you know, terrible. He would just still put it out. But that's that's where a lot of uh, people get uh, side, you know, sidetracked because you know people judge people, and you who gives a fuck what people think? Just put it out because other people don't think that that you know think that of you. Like I, I was thinking that way too. That's why I went to the studio for three four years i just stopped everything and just went ham with you know getting better and creating more and you know taking it to the next level and now i'm just like fuck it i'm putting everything out because you know why not consistency yeah yeah so what's your like you know you drop this album in december and then it does really well like are you when do you start thinking about the next drop the next album and you know do you go straight back in and work on it or well, what's crazy is uh, I uh, obviously you haven't seen me on social media in like over a month. I uh, I actually just started feeling better probably like three days ago. I, I had some health issues. I had a fucked up thyroid, uh, too many red blood cells, and some fucked up shit with my blood. So I I have I've been donating blood. Um, I just you know you gotta care about your health. I haven't cared about that. You know I haven't been to a doctor and I can't even tell. Whoa, that was weird. But you can't uh um you can't not take care of yourself. Health is everything. Health is wealth and that's I'm I'm just getting that I'm getting that all fixed up and getting that proper and I'm gonna start going ham. I got some singles coming out, Devil's Playground, Zookeeper, we're shooting some crazy videos with uh yeah, some it's gonna be dope, bro. Twenty twenty one's gonna be sick for me. And I'm pumped that uh yeah. I never gave up when everyone told me I should have. Yeah. What was like, how bad did it get in terms of self-doubt for you in the early days? Um, it's hard to ask me that question because I'm just, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's just how I live, bro. I, I know it sounds blunt, but I mean the people that you know get in their heads are the ones that care too much so i'm just that dude that doesn't give a fuck i say it how it is i speak it how it is i rap it how it is and if you don't like it get the fuck out of here yeah no, so, fair enough that's not really um, a good question for me but yeah uh, speaking of music um i made a song well speaking of music and not giving a fuck i made a song about uh um you know, taking down child sex trafficking and pedophiles because I feel like all artists are scared to touch that topic and scared, uh, you know, what the higher-ups are going to do. But I feel like, you know, we had to bring more light to this this situation because way too much of this shit goes on, you know. It's, it's pathetic that it's still going on, you know, and no one's doing shit about it. So that's, I'm like I said, I'm trying to do good for the world and... I don't give a fuck who doesn't like it. I know God's gonna. So, I uh, and and what what was the what was the like inspiration to do that? Like, you know, it's kind of like an it is like an off off the shelf kind of topic. Yeah. Um. The inspiration behind that, dude, just seeing all this shit come to light. You know, like like the bro, eight hundred thousand kids. Yeah, and eight hundred thousand kids go missing every year, and like why why the fuck aren't we speaking about it and mm. the reason why that happens is because you know the higher ups most of them are some weirdos and you know when someone says they you know committed suicide 
they really didn't. It's because they touched on this subject. So I just like to take risk, bro, and I want to do it for the people. And I know God's going to appreciate me when I get to the gates. Yeah. Yeah, that whole fucking, that whole deal, man, like like watching that all unfold and it being in 2020 and just like, or 2019, 2020, like that whole fucking weirdness that, that went down around that. But man, you got to... I always think about it too, the the fact that you got like that much power at your disposal. You got that much money. Like what the fuck do you do to get your kicks at that point? At that point you know what I mean? You can fucking buy anything in the world. You've got to do, you got to do some shit that money can't buy. Like it, as fucked up as it is, it sort of makes sense that these guys are cooked. Hey, um, oh yeah. That, that whole like health is well thing, man. Like there's a, there's definitely a point where I thought that if I just doubled down on work, everything else would like take care of itself in the end. But it was when, you know, last year that whole COVID deal and I was, I just sort of at the start of the year, I was like, all right, what are the fucking boxes I got to tick here to just keep this whole program running, you know, running, running really well on the tracks. And I'm lucky. I got a a really good friend of mine. He's a a black belt um, in jujitsu. He's one of my coaches. And like, I'd say definitely one of my mentors in, in life, even though, you know, it's probably, probably do, I guess just like any best mate, you know, like you sort of inspiring each other in different ways. But he was one that was like, dude, like I'd fucking wake up and, wake up with these gnarly headaches because i was just dehydrated and it's just like hey man what the fuck are you getting dehydrated for you're a 30 year old man it's like drink some fucking yeah, water bro. and then the excuse is like man i was just in the fucking studio and i was working i was doing all this shit and then he's just like hey let's fucking pump the brakes here <laughs> like you need to eat good you need to exercise you need to drink water and then you need to go to work and i just kind of had it in my head that it was like work 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 and it's i think it's when you really take that like step back look at your life from ten thousand feet and then go all right what are the boxes that have to be ticked here every day and then like that is when the consistency model um starts to work in your favor because if you just work consistently and like works one of your five boxes you've got to tick and you consistently only tick one box a day like that ain't fucking that ain't it like that's you're doing one fifth of what you're supposed to be doing but when you can take that step back and start ticking all five boxes every day consistently it's like that's when you can really start to make some strides in your life hell yeah bro and working out shit bro that shit helps me like no other i i stay consistent with that because i mean it just gives me energy most people get tired that shit gives me energy bro i gotta i gotta get my brain right it almost helps my brain but dude uh the older we get the more problems we get so i uh i've been uh focusing on my health this last month to get it right because i got so much shit to do in music i'm about to drop some crazy shit but health is wealth bro and uh yeah like i said if it wasn't for thc row my arthritis would be through the roof yeah and i mean the the artist lifestyle isn't necessarily a super clean healthy lifestyle but you look at you know you mentioned Wiz khalifa before like fuck he's a beast now you know and he's sort of figured that shit out yeah but he's think about it all he does is smoke weed yeah <laughs> like he's he he found the recipe i uh 
like alcohol like you know i'll party i used to party hard bro but i uh i came to sense like bro it's time to like put that side put that aside a little bit and really Mm. you know focus on me bro i don't i'm not one to get sucked into those those uh circles you know it's you are who you hang with bro so that's Mm. why i surround myself with some crazy motherfuckers and some really uh successful ones were you i'm gonna turn the lights on here so you could see me yeah i'm gonna turn the lights on so you could see me yep yep yeah yeah boy um were you one of the dudes that was trying to pull off the partying thing while you were racing uh that's that's a funny one um <laughs> so yes kind of kind of like uh just say yes <laughs> i actually i actually told this story at uh trevor Doney's funeral he uh i was like 16 bro and uh my uh i think my dad came back because he knew i was like you know <laughs> you know partying a little too much but he'd go to sleep at night in our rv and i'd sleep in the back he'd sleep in the front and Trevor Doney used to bring a ladder to my RV well, at midnight, you know, on a Friday night after we rode. And I'd sneak out of the fucking RV, go party with a 28-year-old fake ID. Go yeah. home, bro. I mean, I I didn't get into it gnarly night, but I partied, bro. I partied. But get this. I got a little story for you. Um, so what, we were doing that consistently. And uh, the one time <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> He put the ladder there, and I slipped off the ladder, and I fell and hit the ground and broke my wrist. No. And my dad happened to be there, and my dad's, he's a gnarly motherfucker. Like, he used to whoop my ass, bro. I was raised with fucking, you know, you'll get fucked up if you fuck up. Yeah. So yeah. I went to the club thinking about what the fuck I'm going to do. Went home, went out the next day, uh, I uh, started doing a moto, rode in the back, wrist is fucked, ghost rode in my bike and pretended I broke it on my bike and I pulled it off. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled the whole thing off. No one knew shit. Dude, no story. shit. That's yeah. fucking awesome. And uh, how yeah. old were you then? Like 17. <laughs> fucking love that shit. Yeah, dude. Bro, you gotta uh, think. We're at, we're in the middle of nowhere in Georgia and RVs like... We were like, where did you go into prison, party? Did you prison. go to Tal? Did you go to Tallahassee to party? That's the only place you could go. Yeah, dude. Definitely I, not going I've to Cairo, had, bro. I've had some fucking fun ass nights in Tallahassee. Like when we whenever we'd stay at Carmichael's house, bro. <laughs> bro, FSU, Florida State, bro, oh. that shit pops off. Dude, I actually, I had no idea. The first time I ever went to Carmichael's house, I had no idea, right? And then the whole time, Ricky was just like, you're going you're gonna to bag yourself a Tallahassee lassie? And I was just like, I'm thinking like, the, the whole time they're talking this, this shit up, right? So we probably got in there on like a Thursday, we were doing our film shoot. And uh, RC just kept Tallahassee lassie, Tallahassee lassie. And I'm thinking like, man, there must be some like beat ass bitches in this town and like i was thinking that it was bad and they were talking it up as in like this place is like a shit show so then anyway we go out and i w- i had no fucking concept of what a college town was until i went to tallahassee and god damn dude drowning in just 
absolutely epic, epic pussy. You know who used to be uh, uh, gnarly back in the day together is Ben Townley and Ricky. Holy Dude. shit. You, you go to Tallahassee with those fuckers? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Dude. Savages. Ben Townley is one of my favorite fucking humans of all time. He actually called me yesterday while we were FaceTiming trying to set this shit up. <laughs> Does he still ride? Dude, he's the fucking man. Like, the <laughs> he's the man dude we um we actually i'll send you some videos we went and uh he does these schools uh these um like tours now he runs like a tour company in new zealand he's got access to the sickest motocross tracks you've ever seen in your life looks like lord of the rings motocross tracks right and then you go there for a week and he does he's got a guy that like ben rides with you still fucking rips and then uh, he's got, like, a mechanic, dude. So you just pull up, man, and, like, t- they take your bike, put it on the... You don't put your bike on a stand <laughs> once. You don't fuel it up. That's you don't sick. do the chain. They wash your gear every night. So for a week, dude, he takes you to a different track every week. And it's like, dude, honestly, man, you should do it. When, like, borders and shit open, if you still like riding a dirt bike, I honestly Hell don't... Oh, yeah, I'll fly out for sure. I don't think you can enjoy riding a, d- a dirt bike any more than that tour. It's insane. Say less, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> the old, uh, the old Tallahassee man. So I could see how MTL. Like, it's funny when you when you only know about these things in like isolation, like MTF, and then you know you've got all these little sort of oh the kids at MTF are out partying, but if you don't have the context of like of FSU being <laughs> right there in Tallahassee, it's like as soon as I went there, I was like I get it, I get it why these fucking kids party. This place is so sick, and if you ain't some Bro, fu- if you ain't some fucking jock football dude, like you'd be so different as a dirt bike kid in in Tallahassee. Bro. Think of Tallahassee with, like, all of us just going there. All of us, dirt bikers from MTF, like, 15D, bro. (laughs) It was gnarly. It was gnarly. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Yeah, I I feel like that, I mean, I don't know. I haven't been over there for a while, but when I first got to America, we used to pretty much party. Like, you could count on a bunch of dudes being at after parties after Supercross main events, and we'd go out, and everyone would have fun. And like through the week, we'd have, we had like a pretty cool pad in Temecula and we had like a bunch of guys coming and staying and it was never crazy. Like, you know, you'd get girls over a few beers in the hot tub of a, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday night. And it was like a fun, it was like a fun time, but that really stopped. Like in the eight years that I was there, I'm like, we didn't really go to parties. Like you'd like Vegas, you'd party. And then the last outdoor, if it was, you know, like parlor or something like that, that'd be pretty fun. But I mean, apart from that, dude, like it really just, it really got shut down. I feel like your generation. Or Rascals, Rascals after Daytona. Yeah. Oh, dude, that place is, I don't know. I don't know if I'm on board (laughs) with that place. That that place might be a bit too weird for me. Dude, I can't. Fu- I could not believe Bike Week, man. You got Spring Break and Daytona Bike Week all going on at the same shit, and then you've got Rascal- Rascals, which is probably one of the most ghetto fucking clubs in America. I remember <laughs> going there with Lawrence. Jesus, I can't even. 
Dude, that's Jesus. so sick. Hey, what <laughs> what age group was what? How old is J Lo? Uh, I'm not too sure. Maybe like 31, 32. Okay, so he was a bit older than you. Yeah, yeah. yeah bro, okay. I was like the the little kid going to the bars, bro. I rem- like a couple times I had a fake ID, like 28 years old, full on beard. I had peach fuzz and like the bouncers would look at me and be like, you got balls, kid. Come on in. <laughs> like, I was young. I was young, bro. I was young. And the, all these dudes are just sending it. And I'm just like, fuck it. I'll send it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was like. There's a culture, right? Like there kind of was, there was still that culture, but like that, I feel like that was the, the Dungy Lawrence was like the tipping point, I think, where pretty much every kid was like, okay, I'm got to be Ryan Dungy now. Yeah, exactly. That was like the, the fun times where Moto was still fun. Mm. Now it's just like they take it so serious. And like I said, at the top level, you got to be, you got to be killing it. And it, it's like I, I feel like back in the day it was it wasn't as gnarly as like gnarly training wise yeah so I felt like it was more fun and you you had more you know free time to yeah. do things yeah definitely um yeah I feel like the jailer was probably like the last dude where I was like all right we're probably fucking shutting this shit down now because <laughs> you think before that oh, yeah. man you had like Hanson who else was fucking gnarly back in the day? You know, like you had you had that that whole kind of era of dudes. And fuck, man, there's guys that yeah, there was a bunch of those. The guys that are at the top now, like when they were younger, they would definitely kind of want to go out. But I just feel like now, like people, they don't even really want to do it. Which I don't. I'm not saying that's like a negative thing. I'm, I'm fucking. Yeah. I don't really party now as it is. But it's like it definitely. There pussy. just was a, a visible shit. Yeah, pussy. There just was like a, vi- <laughs> a visible shift in the whole industry. You know, bro. I I respect Hanson, bro. He uh, when he had his kid, bro. He knew mm. he had to be a dad. I respect him. He uh, he switched it up for sure. I got respect Man. for people like that, you know, because there's a lot of kids that, you know, they have kids and they just don't give a fuck. They just are still mm. acting like a fucking child. Like, you know, you got to sometimes it's time to change. <laughs> yeah. But you got to have I, fun here and there, bro. <laughs> yeah. I um I wonder what people think of Hanson as a person. Like, he's one of the nicest dudes I think I've met in the industry in terms of just like him as a fucking as a dude he's probably and i mean he'd fucking tell you the same like would have made a lot of mistakes in his day i'm like that he would admit to but in terms of a guy being a fucking super nice dude they actually don't get better than hansen and i don't think people would have that if people didn't know him personally i don't think that would be the picture of him that people would have you know no for sure and uh yeah, like you said, he's he's a good dude. So he uh, he knows when it's time to fucking change. <laughs> Not many people figure that out, bro, until it's too late. All right. Yeah, and probably one of the most fucking stylish dudes to ever ride a dirt bike. Dude, that motherfucker has the gnarliest timing in the game. Yeah, 
the gnarliest timing, bro. Like, his transfers, his quads, like, he's fucking, and his style, bro. He's he's on an he's on another level for sure. I I wonder what he's up to. Like when I get this fucking uh, Temecula studio done, fuck, I need to get him on because like yeah, he, he is one of like, he should be making video edits like every fucking three weeks. There should be a new Hanson edit. When I, I when I was to. in Temecula. When I was in Temecula, uh, all he was uh, doing was uh, all the testing for Honda. So uh, maybe he's still doing that. I'm not too sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, fuck that guy can ride. Bro, yeah. And he knows how to set up a bike. Like, you know. Really? Like, just like his bike is so dialed. It's like he's probably the best suspension tester in the game to ever yeah. ride a dirt bike. Like he just knows how to... He knows how to like relay the message on like what it's doing and what it should do and you know shit like that. Like he's just a tactical rider, bro. He's and, uh, he kills it. And I, there's probably not a rider that has got more pussy than Josh Hansen. <laughs> yeah, I'd well, say. Like, is that actually like a fair? Is that a fair call? Am I missing someone? I'll 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 back you up on that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm sitting here trying to think. I mean, like maybe McGrath. Well, May I don't the know. The only one that maybe could, yeah, well, probably same level was Josh Lichtel. Really, bro? <laughs> that dude was fucked. <laughs> really? He would pull so much pussy. It was like, it, I, you would ask yourself how. Yeah, see with Hanson, I, I can't right. even I can't even tell you some of the stories, bro. Like it's not even. Yeah, I bet. I just can't. <laughs> like, well, the thing he, is with Hanson is level. that uh, he like you know how you say like I can't I can't even like I couldn't even imagine how or why you hang around Hanson is like you can imagine how and why like it's fucking oh right yeah there for on sure. display like there is no guessing why that dude is getting the ass he's getting and he was on the hills right the TV show yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, he's a, yeah, <laughs> fuck. man, people should love Josh Hansen way more than he's loved. I feel like he's probably one of the, he's probably one of the most like cool and unique figures in the sport of motor, like that we ever had. And I, I think that about J-Law too, dude, like he's so fucking underappreciated in the sport and the, it's sort of a shame that it's almost like, uh, it's almost like people just the only thing you can hang your hat on is race results and that's it. Like we just oh, don't yeah. take anything else into consideration, but dude, you want to talk about like two of the fucking coolest and most unique dudes in the sport. J law, Josh Hansen. For sure. Without a doubt. Uh, what's funny is J law still rides, bro. He actually just, he hit me up last week. He always, he always changes the numbers cause he just, he, he's just over everyone, bro. I get it. Cause fuck this industry and the people that are ruining it but um he just hit me up the other day and he's like uh yo i'm in florida let's go ride <laughs> i'm like all right let's go bro like he's still riding he's still being j-law bro and bro he's still fucking sick on a bike bro oh man 100 percent. when uh i spoke to him he he's my most requested guest on this podcast there's no it's I him bet. him and james stewart that's it they're the two dudes that everyone asked me to interview and like i've fucking told everybody 
they're both welcome anytime they want but jay when i <laughs> i started i started talking to jay law um about him coming on i feel like maybe one day he'll do it but i would just said to him like yeah. fuck dude like you should not be, if you're struggling i'm like i don't understand your situation i don't understand like what you've got going on over there but like you should be killing it you are loved like people in motocross still fucking love jason lawrence and you should be doing very well out of this game and if you're not then we should figure it out like i don't want nothing from that's you, another that's another thing should. that's another that's another dude like bro he bro he could still race but he knows like the he, risk no, isn't worth the race. reward he should no but like race. he he should though because he was the best one to watch and like he brought he brought the i wouldn't say drama but he brought the you know Fuck stuff yeah. we would want to turn the tv on for and yeah. you know like i said the people running the industry they fucked that up too yeah what so this is the thing though right is that we don't just have racing like that's not the only way that people can still enjoy that people can still enjoy jason lawrence like you look at axel hodges oh, yeah. tyler berryman that gordon keck there's like i can still enjoy those guys that they don't have to race and i think that if i i don't know whether it's something that jaylor wants to do or if he's just kind of over it and he just wants to ride and not be in the public eye because it does come with a, a lot of bullshit but like fuck yeah. i would love to follow a jason lawrence youtube channel you know what i mean like oh, imagine if sure. he had like a cool film around him or even if it's not a youtube channel where he, like he's not doing the deegan's thing but like bro treat treat it like you're a fucking artist like you're a dirt bike artist drop three projects a year once once yeah. a fucking you know um, once every Cole Seeley, four months yeah dude Cole Seeley and Dean Wilson they're killing it on YouTube I actually uh I gotta make uh uh Wilson some more beats I did some beats for his videos and uh Cole Seeley I gotta finish some of stuff for him but bro it's cool to see like you know the them like you know making money outside of moto but still riding you know because mm -hmm. like we talked about the money's just not there anymore so at least they have something they can do to make it to make you know money by doing what they love still yeah dude, like cosili is killing it fuck yeah he is dude dino would have made bank off that grandpa Earl video and it's like that's just one one video that's probably paying more than like a gear sponsor and shit like that and he's bro still youtube is gnarly <laughs> I actually, um, I'm going to start some shit too, not like vlogging, but just, you know, so I fucked up cause over the course of my career, uh, my homies would film me music videos, dirt bike videos, and I'd be like, put it on your channel, you know, get that few hundred bucks that you could get. Now they're fucking paying a crazy amount and all my videos are scattered. So I just started a YouTube channel. So it's like, I'm starting from scratch, but damn bro, YouTube is fucking, it's on it. Yeah, so yeah, I'm gonna start doing some crazy shit like some wheelies, some Harleys, you know, fucking crash them cars into each other, bumper cars, you know, just some dumb shit, some cool shit, just living my life, just the day, just the daily. Yeah, no, nah, why not? Definitely. Yeah, fucking earth, and people want to be a part of the journey, you know. For sure. Um, oh, it's it's uh, just lagging a little bit. Um. Yeah, I mean, are we going to see, like, a B-Maisy fucking moto edit at some point or what? 
Oh yeah, for sure. Look at I just got the bike, so we're getting prepped. I wanna see that shit. I wanna I wanna see that old <laughs> that old school that old new, you know what I mean? Yeah. I posted a little video uh a year ago riding I t- I felt bad, I took some kid out. <laughs> but uh I could still throw some whips, bro. You'll see, you'll be seeing some shit. Twenty twenty one I'm gonna start blasting shit. Now that I'm starting to feel better, you know, I had to take care of that health. Yeah, yeah. So what? What's is it your lagging? program? Nah, nah. What's your uh, What's your program now with uh, the health side of things? Like, are you in the gym every day? Like, what What are you sort of What are you doing there? I uh, I actually had to take a a month off because uh, I had too many red blood cells, so my heart was having a hard time pumping, and I got a I got a scar on my heart from when I punctured it. So I was, dude, I was like, I was like, holy shit, something's really wrong. Cause I never say that shit, bro. If I, you know, feel a little off, I'm just like, fuck yeah. it, it'll go away. Usually goes away. This time it fucking stuck. So, uh, yeah, bro, I'm in the gym five days a week at least. But, uh, like I said, I took off, but now I'm back. So now I get to yeah, feel better again. Cause that gym shit, it gets my brain right. It gets my body right. It gets me feeling right. Yeah. And, uh, people should start taking advantage of that more. Yeah, and what, and what sort of stuff are you doing? Just lifting, nah, little uh, little cardio here and there. <laughs> it's not my uh, favorite, but you know, just lifting chest, back, yeah. legs, shoulders, traps, just some stuff like yeah. that. Look good, look good, feel look, good type shit. I was gonna say, yeah, look good, feel good. Maybe pretend to go on a run. Maybe do two miles and pretend I'm sweating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just fucking, I just like the rowing machine, dude. I feel like that's just the easy one. For oh, me. yeah, dude, those are board. nice because it's like, those are nice because it's like you're doing everything at once. It's like all yeah. in one exclusive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I fucking, that's that, if I have to do cardio, but that's the good thing about, dude, honestly, jiu-jitsu is the best training for moto because you're just doing like hardcore grip strength the whole time. Like you're gripping onto fabric, which is harder to hold on than a motorcycle grip. And uh, it's a lot of like isometric kind of hold sort of shit. And then there's the cardio aspect that comes into it as well. Like it's it's definitely when I'm training jujitsu, like I can just do motos, whatever I want. It's not a not a big deal. So I'm kind of for sure. That, when I was in, in sense. when I was in Temecula, I uh, I was doing the I was boxing with uh, Charles from Icon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, and uh, brothers, it's kind of like riding. You know, you don't get that cardio anywhere else. You can't go on a run and feel that same thing. But when you yeah. box or ride, bro, there's nothing like it. So that's what I was doing for cardio in California is riding. But all this shit happened. I moved. So I just got a bike. So I'm going to get back at that cardio on my dirt bike. <laughs> do the um, do the Grondels still own Moto Sandbox? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, have no, I, don't, I don't know. He, he, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's he does, Mike does a lot of things, bro. That's a question for him when he comes on. Oh yeah. Um, so hey, you gonna drop a freestyle for us or what? <laughs> yeah, I could do a little something, something. Cause uh, yeah, we we are we, uh, we almost done our three hours, bud. Has it been three hours? Yeah, almost. Hold on a second. All right, you ready? Yeah, yeah, we're getting it. Let me get a little swig. All right. <clears throat> yo, yo. Uh, now I'm on my Drake shit. Looking for a pretty playmate that I could play with. Is Maisie Baby stealing home from first base? I hit it out the park on the first date. She's out of here. 
beat her up. Now I'm on my mazy shit. Kick her out as soon as I come. I don't babysit. I played a game how it's supposed to go. I used to be an amateur prick, but then I went pro. Uh, I'm more conceited than I ever been. Tell me how you need it. I competed with the best of them. Women chased me like a herd of elephants. I heard it through the grapevine. There's nothing you could tell a pimp. You hate to love me, but I love that you hate me. <clears throat> wow. And my critics, they can hardly take it. Fuck them though, cause shit happens when you party naked. Every word out of my mouth is like a love song. Is that good enough? Uh, yeah, yeah, boy. That's it, <laughs> what uh, are you? Have you been doing much? Uh, many like live shows and shit, and like did COVID kind of fuck that whole deal up? Oh, COVID fucked all that up. I, uh, um, I've I've done probably eight shows, but I'm starting to get into it a lot more. Like I said, I took I took some time off to perfect my craft, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start hitting the shows hard because yeah, I mean I, I get calls so. I just, you know, I'm that type of dude, like, if I don't have, you know, enough, uh, put it this way, I'm making more music, some real life music instead of just moto shit, you know? Mm. So that's, that's where I was, you know, putting a little pause waiting for me to get and build some more, you know, stuff that people can feel like not just moto people. So now that I got that out, I'm going to start going hand with shows. I'm gonna go on yeah. tour. Do I'm gonna do it all. So yeah, because like at the start, it, your the content that you were rapping about was super moto focused, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And then and so did that like kind of uh, was that kind of like a a negative thing in terms of like shows and stuff because there was just like a small group of people that could relate to the music. Um, I wouldn't say it was negative, but you know, like. Like I still got offers to perform, but it's like in my head, I I didn't want to if it was outside of a track. Like I did a couple, I did a show at Baja Brawl, I did some stuff in Pittsburgh at this other track. But like you know, if it's a track, yeah, I would I could go fucking kill it. But um, I put like the club stuff and you know like where people are gonna be that's not moto. I put it on hold, and uh, now I'm in that part of my life where you know moto's not yeah. really a thing so now i'm I'm making some some real life music and some struggle music some party music some you know motivation music so now i'm gonna start hitting it hard with the shows yeah sick what's the what's the feeling like of doing shows and like killing it at a show compared to racing like do you get that buzz like in the same way bro same buzz it's like going to a starting line walking onto that stage same feeling i think that's why i fell in love with it yeah because you know i just i like getting that heart rate up bro you know mm. i like the adrenaline i i it just feels good bro you can't you can't beat it yeah yeah man fuck it makes sense like that uh, we i mean we when we were doing some filming even like we went and uh filmed a show in tokyo dude and there was sixty thousand people there and we were like on stage filming i was just like looking being like this is fucking hectic like people, yeah. the crowd was just fucking heaving and i like i mean i'm not performing but imagine being the fucking singer on stage and performing in front of those people like it's a fucking trip Bro, it's, like I said, it's like lining up on the starting gate. Same fucking feeling, bro. And uh, I want to I wanna really do a, a, um, a world tour because, bro, what's crazy is uh, a lot of my iTunes stuff is, 
big in Australia, actually. Uh, yeah, big right. in Canada, um, Europe. Uh, dude, I even got some sales in Japan. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's my goal. Just uh, keep pushing this uh, real-life music and, uh, you know, start. The goal is to do a world tour, so. Yeah. Um, is things opening up over there for shows and stuff again now, or? Uh, so people have been doing it like illegally, but I mean, they, they get away with it, but you only can have so many people because, mm. uh, you obviously know this, uh, COVID bullshit, but, uh, dude, what's cool about Florida is bro, you, it's like COVID ain't even here. That's why yeah, I was that stoked to move here. Yeah. They didn't give a fuck, huh? Bro. What's crazy too. They, they took it so serious in California. I, uh. I rode to Twitch's house on my pit bike, and we were all having a pit bike session. There was a helicopter circling us on a microphone saying, go home, you're too close, go home. No like, shit. Embarrassing, bro, embarrassing to a fucking America. Like, yeah, what are you I guys mean, doing? Go home. <laughs> California took it very seriously. <sighs> it's one of the reasons why I moved. I was like, fuck mm. this, I can't do this. I feel like I'm in prison. Can't even go to dinner. I was like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah, so many people fucking move from California. It's crazy. Bro, there's so many people moving to Florida. It is it is nuts. You can't even bro, you can't even find a house to buy, a house to rent. It's just gone the next day. You put something up, it's gone. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we've had uh like I'm pretty lucky our state I mean, I'm Australia just doesn't have as many fucking people. Like that's just the the big problem that america has you just you guys got a lot of fucking people and our state was lucky we don't have that many people our state is massive and uh we were able to get a handle of the the whole covid thing to where like we don't we just don't have cases here anymore um and we're one of like the rare places in the world but so many people left the other states that had a bunch of covid to the, it's the same here now like you can't buy a house like my sister sold her house for a fucking crazy amount just off a Skype call because from someone what? that was in, in like lockdown for fucking eight months in Melbourne, they were like, we're out, we're buying a house. In Is it still bad out there? Like COVID-wise and shit shut down? Uh, one of our states is, um, but apart from that, like our country is pretty much fucking free and clear of it, eh? But our borders oh, yeah. have been closed the entire time, dude. Yeah, dude, same with Canada. I'm trying to like have my buddy come chill because he's from Canada, Derek, we met, but... Uh, he fucking they won't let him it's crazy mm, yeah and now they got uh if you if you uh, have like a work order you can actually get to the states but now they have when you come back they strictly have a hotel for covid you have to stay in that hotel for two weeks that's what if we've you got, go to work yeah. in the states and come back mm -hmm. it's crazy just like a hotel ready for covid <laughs> like yeah you guys well, for real? The, well that's what it's like here dude so if you come in um, if you come into the country two weeks lockdown in a like a specialty oh pardon me dude um, in a like a special quarantine hotel but the crazy thing is that's what's fucking made all the problems like all of the new outbreaks that have happened have have come from staff like janitors at the hotel and shit like that so I mean because they're doing them like right in the city like in Melbourne so I think they need what they w would be way smarter to do is have these uh, quarantine hotels in like remote towns that are 
completely just yeah. set up for it so that you can control the outbreak way more than just doing it in a fucking city because you get people that you got like yeah. janitors this is how they had like this huge outbreak that that started like a nine month lockdown it was from a fucking janitor what are you talking about outbreak the flu <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, for COVID nineteen, I because uh, yeah, <laughs> I just hate the word COVID, bro. Because I know it's just the flu, bro. Like, come on, chill out. Yeah, but th- so this chick got on the fucking subway and then just like rode through every station through the city, and it just like fucked the whole thing. <laughs> Gave the flu to everyone. Yeah, so it's just this it's mask. Just- th- you know what? Another thing, this mask shit pisses me the fuck off, bro. Like, you guys really think this does anything? And on top of it. We have to wear a mask in. Well, I don't. I I will go to the next restaurant. But you wear a mask in, and then you sit down. You get to take it off. Where the fuck is the logic? Yeah. Where the fuck is the logic? Like there's dumb people that you would never expect to like, like you know, get it. There's there's dumbasses starting to get it and catch on now. It's like you guys fucked up. You guys can make a movie look real. Not saying that COVID's not real because it's, yeah, it's real, but it's not what they say it is. But yeah. you can make a movie look real and you couldn't even fucking do it with this shit. Like, someone fucked up somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the that that is one of the things. Like, I'm down to do my bit for whatever they say we got to fucking do. But there's so much shit that's just, like, so retardedly inconsistent. And, yeah, like, got to wear a mask in, but then you take it off when you get there. We had rules in, in our state where you could, like, they were opening bars and nightclubs, but you could stand up, but you couldn't dance. So, like, just, da- you could stand there, but you couldn't <laughs> be, like, dancing on the spot. Like, just dumb. Oh, You're just God. like, who the fuck is writing these rules? Like, what are we up to? I would say America's fucked, but I think this whole fucking earth is fucked right now. <laughs> we need some, we need Jesus, bro. <laughs> Yeah, we need Jesus bunch. to come down and figure this shit out. <laughs> Put yeah, the right people in charge. There's a bunch of dumb shit going on. Terrible. Well, uh, well, dude, I really appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's been cool to to get the podcast done here uh, about your racing background and uh, and then the music stuff. I'm definitely gonna be following along uh, your music career, like post the moto stuff as well. And uh, yeah, man, I could fucking I could see some big shit happening for you. And I think uh, I think you're definitely on the right track. It's been fucking cool to talk. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, bro. It's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah. Uh, Go check out Riders Union too. I forgot to tell you, I called the whole industry out. It's called Riders Union. You'll be uh, you'll be pumped to hear that thing. Yeah, yeah, sick. And, and then, uh, and then anyone anyone listening, if you, uh, I dropped an album called Vaccine. Go check it out. Yeah. Uh, appreciate it if you do. Appreciate it if you don't. Yeah, no, I'll um, I'll uh, I'll be bumping that shit on the way uh, on the way to the fucking track today, <laughs> doggy. Um, but yeah, man, I I really appreciate it. It's cool to cool to get your perspective. Like, obviously, you were super deep in the industry at one point and then completely switch gears and you've got a very unique perspective on the industry so um just cool to offer people like a different look at the sport um maybe make people think a different a different way just based on you know your own opinions your own experiences based on the unique path that you've kind of walked you know we need a writer's union everyone needs to stand the fuck up 
Yeah, I uh, I definitely can't see that being a bad thing. Um, and <laughs> as a as a side note, I also appreciate all of the effort that you put in to uh, you know with the microphone set up, with the video set up, and uh, yeah, that that fucking is is pretty cool, man. And that and it speaks to your work ethic as well. This is what goes down at the GVL Green Valley Lounge. We gotta you know we go hard and we put that extra mile on perfect brother well hey um i really appreciate it once again and um and yeah fucking thanks for thanks for joining joining me on the show thanks for having me bro smoke up and hey next time uh, like well, when this whole covid shit's done and you can fly to australia come do a show do a live podcast you do a live show we'll fucking uh then we'll say no more i'll be there we'll ride we'll party we'll smoke it'll be a good time <laughs> say no more bro